Station with Steve Allen. I kind of think I'm repeating myself. Julie Walters has crawled out the woodwork to say that uh, TV talent shows exploit contestants. Of course they do. What's the whole purpose of it? It's a TV talent show exploiting a contestant to get an audience. Unfortunately, it didn't quite work for, uh, for Jesus Christ Superstar, the biggest pile of rubbish ever to hit the screen, I'm afraid. A waste of space for everybody, not just because Andrew Lloyd Webber's a bit dreary. You know, he's, he's quite sweet, but I mean, for God's sake, I mean, come up with somebody more interesting. Half the people couldn't play Jesus if their life depended on it. They've quite clearly not studied any photographs or looked at any of the previous shows to see what people look like. You know, there's a, you're supposed to... Some of these people look too fat to be playing Jesus. Let's be honest about it. He's supposed to be emaciated. He was a thin, scrawny body. No good putting a, you know, a blonde-haired boy on the programme because he doesn't look like Jesus. Try and have some, some reality to the blooming thing. If anything, he's, he's going to be near a sort of Middle Eastern look, isn't he? Ridiculous, honestly. These, these talent shows. But of course they're there to exploit people. That's the fun of it. You know, bring out your simple, bring out your dead, bring out your terminally stupid. Let's have a good old laugh at them. Let's point fun at them. You know, the fatter they are, the funnier they become to us. Because that's what we do in this country. We point at people and we go, oh, you're fat and you can't sing. They go, ooh, oh, can we have a TV show? And then they give them a TV show and then we point at them again and go, listen, that was that stupid fat family, wasn't it? Where the old family weren't on television. The lardies, I think they were called, or something like that. And that they put these two... God knows they were ugly girls up on the television. And, they, and they, they couldn't sing for Toffee. And it just seems... It was just we were laughing at them. We weren't laughing with them. We were pointing fun at them and going, thank God we don't live next to you, fatty. That was the only, that was the only decent thing about the programme, is that you know for the first few weeks they're going to put on all the stupid people. Much they seemed to be out in force on the motorway the other day, didn't they? Quite clearly, not the most intelligent. There's pictures in all the papers of people in the bus lanes. In the Olympic lane. In fact, there's, there's one quite clearly identifiable here, with, it, with his car number, actually. And, um, and it's, it's PJB6, which actually strikes me as being quite a flash number plate. I think that's actually quite good. You thought somebody who's got a nice flash number plate, which probably cost as much as the car, would not be in the, uh, the Olympic lane. It's quite clearly marked Olympic lane. Unless you're particularly stupid. And then, of course, you get a coach that should be in the lane and isn't. And so that's now holding up our lane. Which is ridiculous. I mean, people were, were terribly confused by the whole thing. But there again, that's the stupidity of people who probably haven't taken a driving test. How oh, you could be confused by it, I've got no idea. It's quite clearly marked out. This is our lane, that's your lane. Oh no, now your lane is our lane. Everybody got, conf- got, very, uh, got very confused. The Australian Olympic sailing team lost their equipment and were forced to wait for more than an hour at Heathrow as tens of thousands of people arrived in London for the game. Then we lost people. I'm not saying like it. All sorts of people from sport, TV and film will join the 1,000 London torchbearers. And uh, they've got everybody here. Um, I think Stephen Lawrence's mother, Doreen. Uh, Rupert Grint, David Walliams. He gets in everything, doesn't he, David Walliams? Might, have just, might as well just have a sign-up saying, everybody this way and David Walliams. And uh, what else? We've got Catherine Jenkins. She's actually... She, she pitched up at some music festival the other day and also went out to Verve Clicquot's Gold Cup final. Looking very Marilyn Monroe. She's ever so tiny when you see her. I mean, she really is absolutely unbelievably small. Unbelievably small. And then there's all the, the things which always, always infuriate everybody, don't they? The BBC stars who are avoiding tax. They're not avoiding it. They're just they're using a legal loophole. They've set up companies. It's quite normal. Quite normal, let me tell you. Quite normal. And they set up a company and they put their money into the company. And then you pay tax on that, so they get paid dividends. They pay themselves a salary. I'm always amazed that, that somebody like Gary Lineker actually garners more than a million quid a year for doing what? 
I don't even think he's that good. Graham Norton, all right, chat show host, they, they probably earn that money. And then, um, for some strange reason, the uh, the bloke who does Top Gear, Jeremy Clarkson, earns apparently more than three and a half million quid. That old has-been, that, that Neanderthal from the television, I watched him yesterday. Apart from the fact he's a bit out of date with everything, he just looks like he's past his sell-by now, poor soul. But apparently he earns a lot of money. Weakest link front woman, Anne Robinson, they reckon... Between um, five hundred to seven hundred and fifty thousand pound a year, quite normal, quite normal in this in this day and age, quite normal. I don't know why people think it's you know when you when you look at sort of radio presenters, you look at what some people you know you look at what Terry Wogan would have earned. They earn quite a, a small fortune. These people. So the next, when you say here eight hundred and twenty three thousand, I reckon that's actually Jeremy Paxman. I reckon he was on a million and they've cut him back. They've said, listen, either you want the gig or we'll find somebody else to do it. Get Martha Carney and she can do it much cheaper and she'll probably be better. So most people have agreed that they will take the salary cut. So they've saved some money. Not a huge amount. Mark Mark Thomas, the uh, outgoing director general, I think he was earning 779000 a year. And they've managed to cut that down to 622000 What they do is that the BBC, they don't publish what they pay people. And then they're under no obligation to tell you how much they pay people. You know, you're under no obligation to tell people how much you earn. I mean, Graham Norton, it is said, would earn prof- roughly about uh, two million. Gary Lineker, about two million a year. But he's so creepy, isn't he? Something about Gary Lineker. <laughs> and um, who else? I think Alan Hansen was earning one and a half million, but he's had his pay cut by about a third. And all they've done is just said to people, listen, if you want, I mean, I know somebody... Who, uh, who was doing a show, and they said, listen, we want an extra show next year, another series, but uh, we're not going to pay any extra money for that. And it's either a case of you do it or you don't do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. They can always find somebody else. And so because the money is so good, people will do it. So it comes as no surprise to me. But when they, when they have a headline on the front of the Daily Mail, 148 BBC stars avoiding tax, they're not avoiding tax. They're paid off the books, which means that their money is paid into a company. And this is, this is a totally legal loophole. I said the other day, when we, we discovered after Alan Carr, not Alan Carr, um, what's it, who was, who was putting his money into an offshore account, £3.3 million, I thought that was fine. I didn't have any problem with him at all. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. Especially as we, we discovered Adele made £35 million in a year. That's Adele, 35 million quid. So I don't begrudge these people any money at all. If they can get away with paying less tax then fine, as long as the taxman approves it. That's all you have to worry about. If the taxman comes back and goes, no, we're not going to approve that. But uh, I've already had my little billion from the taxman. I don't want to pay it. Of course I don't. Who wants to pay tax? But I have to. If you've earned the money, you've got to pay it. It's as simple as that. So if, if they can manage to find some way round it with companies, I know loads of people in this business, in radio, who've set up companies and they pay themselves dividends. It's, it's just, it's quite normal. I don't know why people get so excited about it. I see they've sold Television Centre, 200 million quid. It opened in 1960. It was very iconic. Roy Castle used to host his uh, shows there. I remember them having a whole line of tap-dancing people, which I loved. I thought that was great. Blue Peter, Strictly Come Dancing, the National Lottery, but uh, they use it as a facility now. It's a huge place, and it's been sold to a property developer. 200 million pounds. 14 acres bought by Stanhope PLC. I have no idea who Stanhope PLC are, but they've got an absolute bargain for 200 million. 14 prime acres in West London, over the road from a, from a, a train station, over the road from the Westway. 
It'll be houses. They'll knock the whole lot down, except for the middle bit. They'll, they'll keep the iconic middle bit, and it will all be flats, because I think that's, uh, that's listed. I think the middle bit is listed. And so that would be fantastic. I mean, you could have loads of flats in there. You know, if you want to live in a place like that, it's up to you. I've seen, I've seen what they've done to other places where they've just taken an office block and then divided it up and they look rubbish. They do look rubbish, but they make a load of money. And if you can live there, where you'll park, I don't know. There is a car park that's included in the sale. They've got their own, their own car park. But whether or not, if they're going to put loads of flats up, and presumably they'll have security there. And th- so, I mean, it should be fairly good. The trouble is you're in Shepherd's Bush. And you know what a dump that is. I mean, Shepherd's Bush. God, bloody. I mean, the green. I've never seen anybody working on it yet. I've never seen anybody working on it. I've, I felt quite disappointed. I drove through it the other day, and it just looks like... I mean, at the end of it, all they're going to do, presumably, is turf it and stick in a kid's playground. It's like I walked through Leicester Square the other day. I was so depressed that we'd spent £18 million on putting up some, some wonky fencing, some places where people throw all their rubbish, and in the middle, the fountain, which wasn't working, uh, all dirty and debris in there, all the plants were dead round the outside, and I thought, and that's after £18 million quid's worth. Such a shame compared to other London squares, which are quite iconic. Our one's looking very sad, very sad and tired. And every time they have a premiere, they cover the grass over. Every time they cover the grass over, they kill it. Every time they kill it, they dig it up. And for the next week, we sit there looking at Earth. And then they stupid it, because they must be complete idiots. The amount of rain we've had, and they're still putting the sprinklers on to water the grass. Have you ever heard of such stupid people? You feel like saying to them, excuse me, mate, can I see your intelligence listing? So they've put the sprinklers on. The grass is now sodden. It is now a quagmire in parts. It looks horrible. It really does. I mean, you know, the producer was saying, outside her building yesterday morning, full pouring rain. Mowing the lawn. Duh. Duh. How stupid are these people? I mean, it was... Yesterday, it bucketed down. It bucketed down. We've had enough rain to last for God knows how many years. I like it. Don't get me wrong, because I've got a huge umbrella. And everybody else going around their little piddly umbrellas. I just laugh at them. And mine is... No, not even the twinkling light ones. I've got a huge... I've got... In fact, I carry about six umbrellas in the car. I don't know why. I'm a, I'm a bit like... I'm a bit like Mr Partridge, who can't remember things. He can't remember who was driving his car. You remember poor old Alan Partridge. And the reason, it's a pool car. So, in other words, if you've got a pool car, there are 20 listed drivers on there. He can't remember. Didn't we have the Hamiltons ages and ages ago? They were coming back from a gig, uh, Christine and her uh, her husband, and uh, they were out there, and, and they got stopped by the police, or they got caught by a camera or something like that. And, you know, they couldn't remember between the two of them who was driving the car. It's amazing how your memory goes. I mean, I'm the same. I can't remember sometimes, was that me driving the car or the hamster? I've got no idea. You know, and I felt so sorry for the Hamiltons. I wanted to write to them and say, listen, that, that short-term memory stuff, it's got to stop. It's appalling. Now, I can't even remember who was driving the car. Well, it was either him or her. Nope, they couldn't remember a thing. I felt so sorry for them. That's old age for you, though. LBC 97... Work out why Jeremy Clarkson would be the biggest earner at the BBC. Over three million pounds a year. I mean, he only does the one programme, does he? Top Gear. I've never seen him turn. He turns up on a few other things. He's not much copied it. And he's a bit Neanderthal. You know, he's still. He's an old man who still wears jeans. In fact, even on the television. You'd think with three million quid a year, he could afford to actually dress up for something, but he doesn't. <laughs> I do watch Top Gear. I've, I've often wondered why it takes three people to do a programme about cars. It's a bit naff and blokey, I suppose. Felt terribly sorry. This this awful story is all over the papers today about the uh, three children 
who were killed in a beauty spot by their father, it is said. And uh, what's even worse is that there's no history of anything at all. Uh, Mummy was sort of, you know, writing things, you know, really, you know, there's nothing that indicates here at all. She says, had a lovely weekend with various fuller types. And July the 11th, she says, that's my midlife crisis over with then. There's only a few completely bonkers things done. Still very glad of the urge to reach out to people. Love that. And, um, and then it turns out that the father of the children takes them off to this beauty spot. His son Sam is 12, Becca was 8 and Charlotte 7, and he stabbed them to death and then threw himself off the top of it. And you think, what on earth possesses somebody to do something like that? It's just absolutely tragic. I mean, you know, the most adored children in the world. What worries me out of this whole thing, and tragic though the story is, who are the people who go and put flowers down? You know, all of a sudden you'll find that. There's, 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 there's sort of a bunch of flowers that was put down very quickly and somebody's written, oh, you know, you've been taken up to Jesus. And all Do people sit there at home waiting for these stories to happen? And then they go and put a bunch of flowers down. Or is it the police? I don't know. But this, this father was a graduate. There's no, no history of anything at all here. So he's killed his children and, um, and then killed himself. Oh, dear, just, you know, it's just kind of so depressing, isn't it? It's just so awful. Uh, more on the... Um, the police who've been hauled off the beat now to help out. They had some people who were supposed to turn up to a hotel in Manchester the other day. 64 people booked. Apparently 17 turned up. Oh my, it's just a joke, isn't it, from start to finish? And, uh, and here we all are, queuing on the Westway, coming in. And um, you, you actually could have gone in it yesterday. And I don't know why people are avoiding it. So if you're coming in on the Westway, you can use that Olympic lane. OK, it doesn't come until next week. You can use it now. Everybody was avoiding it yesterday, worried that they were going to get nicked. No, no, you can use it. OK, I'm telling you, you can use it. It's only a VIP-only stretch for another week. It doesn't become a VIP stretch for another week. So you've got a whole week. You've got to the 25th before it then changes. But everybody avoided it. And yet, strangely enough, the only one yesterday that we said you can't use on the M4... I'm looking at a whole line of cars here, £130, £260, £390. So we've done quite well on that one. There we are, thickos, and their number plates are quite clearly visible. But if you're coming in on the Westway, you can, you can sort of do it. I don't think it's too complicated. Well, it certainly isn't on the M4. It's got a big sign on it, and the road's orange. You know, I mean, how much more indication do you need? And there's a big sign next to it, taxi and official vehicles. Well, these don't look like taxis or official vehicles. I mean, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd, I mean, why, why can't the people going to the Olympics queue like the rest of us? Why should they be given a special lane? You know, I'm a, I'm a radio presenter. I don't get any, any sort of uh, special compensation or dispensations for coming into work. Don't get anything like that. I mean, if they'd all been, you know, Olympic lanes all valid at the same time, people can go anywhere. Why don't they give all the Olympic cars blue flashing lights? And that would be so much easier. Because, eh, 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 and immediately we all move out of the way and we let them through. Makes perfect sense. But no, so if you're coming in on the Westway, you can come in, because otherwise it comes down to one lane. So just drive down it and wave at people. I remember once... Oh, oh God. Oh, bitter lemon at the start of the morning. Oh. And, um, and I, was, I, was, I was going through Twickenham, and there's a bus lane. And it operates Monday to Thursday, but there's a few, let's just call them particularly dim people. And, uh, and, I'm, in, and I'm in the bus lane on the Saturday... And uh, this woman winds down her window. She goes, you're in the bus lane. Because she tried to pull in in front of me, where it's sort of, you have that little arrow which shows dim motorists how they can sort of get into the next lane by sort of crossing over. And so I, I sort of cut her up a bit. And so she said, you're in the bus lane. So I went, I know. 
She said, it's illegal. I said, no. And I said, it's a bus lane Monday to Friday. I said, can't you read? I said, what are you doing on the road anyway? You're too stupid. I said, this is Saturday. You have to explain to some people. They're so stupid. They really are. But if you're coming in on the Westway today, please, please, please use the Olympic lane. You could sit, you could park up it and have a, have a picnic, have a sandwich or something like that. Don't, don't worry about coming in because it's just, just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The only place at the moment you can't do it, we think is around Egham and certainly coming in on the M4. But that's the only place. It's got to wait another week and then it will, uh, and it'll be fine. I wonder how many hours sleep you need a night. According to the paper today, uh, too many lions are bad for your brain. If you're thinking of retiring, or you're a retired person, seven hours sleep a night is the key to healthy retirement. I don't think I've ever slept for seven hours. I don't think I've ever slept for seven hours. Apparently, you're all living by the seaside. Live by the seaside, that's apparently really good. People like living by the seaside. <laughs> I wouldn't mind living by the seaside. I, I fancy that. Um, what's the secret to paying less tax like the famous do within the law? Love to be in their shoes. Well, the secret is you set up a company. It's perfectly legal. There's nothing the matter with it. You can set up your own company and you pay yourself dividends. I mean, it's, it's been going on for years. As I say, I know loads of people in radio have got their own companies. Lots of people have, have set up, you know, whoever it happens to be, you know, dinkydonk.com or dinkydonk, you know, associates or whatever it happens to be. Uh, Brian says, reselling the BBC Centre. I hope the lifts have improved. Tony Hancock got stuck in a lift back in the 60s. I think it, I think they'll t- they'll be quite nice flats, won't they? They'll they'll put a garden in downstairs, and then they'll they'll just convert it because it's the big rotunda, and it's got lots of little dressing rooms in there, so it's all plumbed up. Shouldn't take too much to do it, and then they'll just knock the bit down at the back and probably put in landscape garden. It's fourteen acres, two hundred million. What a cheap thing that was. They can't have held out for much money. I wouldn't want to live there. It's a dump. I wouldn't want to live that. So, oh, blimey! By Shepherd's Bush, you're having a laugh. Definitely not. I mean, it's useful for people because it's got a station over the road and it's got easy access into London because you come straight in on the Westway. So it's actually, it's very handy for lots of, lots of reasons. It's just you're a bit down the road from Shepherd's Bush and it's a bit of a dump over the road. So I'm not, not keen on that. And um, Will says, our school Bible had a photo of Jesus. I remember he had blue eyes, a well-groomed beard and a long, neat hairstyle, which was fashionable at the time. Well, how do we know that? How do we know it was fashionable? I mean, apart from the fact... He wouldn't have had blue eyes, I don't think. He certainly... He, he, he would have been very Mediterranean. He'd been very olive-skinned, would our Jesus. And, of course, everybody was called Jesus. It was like being called Mr Smith. Everybody was, was Jesus. And uh, he had a neat hairstyle, although I never saw any barbers around, you know, barbers of Nazareth or something like that. That'd be quite funny. I kept thinking yesterday, somebody wrote to me and said, you were very rude about that nun in the paper the other day. I said, she's not a nun. She's just somebody who's dressing up. She's not a nun at all. She's got nothing to do with any church or anything. So I wrote back and told them that. Why don't they just fly them into city airports, says Steve? Yeah, I agree. We said that the other day on the programme. I didn't... You know, get, get some helicopters from Heathrow and fly them all in or fly them to standstill. Fly the, just fly them anywhere. Don't, don't worry about painting the roads because very shortly they're going to be closing all the motorways off to sort of unpaint the roads. That's what they'll be doing, won't it? They'll have to sort of... It's like putting tattoos on. They'll have to come around and take them off again. All a bit disappointing. Seven hours sleep a night. I'd love to know how many hours of, sl- of sleep you actually get in. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or 08456060973. Um, 
more, the, the weathermen, says a tourism boss, are obsessed with the rain. Well, you can't really get away from it, can you, at the moment? I mean, there was so much came down yesterday. I did start watering the baskets. My neighbours said, do you need to water them in this? I said, yeah, sadly, hanging baskets left outside don't uh, water themselves. The leaves, the water bounces off, so you have to go outside and water them. But because the weather's been a bit icky at the moment, a little bit icky, um, you've, you've got to start deadheading. and It's almost like we're going into, into autumnal weather. I'm a little bit, uh, little bit worried about that. I'm, I'm not at all surprised. I'm with Chris Tarrant on this one, because uh, days after his uh, mum died at the age of 93, Joan, burglars targeted the house and they stole items. And you feel, you know, like when, when we catch these people, hanging them. I remember my, my auntie, my auntie Ivy, went off to, uh, to a funeral to bury her son, Martin. She came back and the house had been burgled. It's almost like people were sitting there watching, waiting for something to happen. What sort of low life does things like that? I think we've all got a rough idea. And, uh, you know, if, if ever these people were caught, I'd be, I'd be advocating hanging. He comes back, they took uh, jewellery, silver, cutlery and vases. It's awful, isn't it? It's awful that, that people will steal from other people. You want to go round to their place and set fire to it. Go, look, I'll tell you what, see how you enjoy it. Horrible. Um, I don't know how you feel about takeaway food. I'm not really a big fan of takeaway food at all. I mean, you know, I've seen all these adverts on the television. I've seen them explaining things, why they photograph this and how it ends up looking like that. And and now they're thinking of moving a subway. This is a place that makes baguettes or something uh, into the school canteen. They reckon, because it's a, a US-based sandwich franchise, it's in talks with a comprehensive school in Greater Manchester to set up a counter. So they've got a picture of how wonderful it looks. When, when, of course, you get these things, they never look anything like that at all. It's like the McDonald's burgers or Burger King. They look lovely on the television, don't they? Then you get it and you think, God, what a pile of rubbish that is. Such a shame. Um, it's all part of the deal to, uh, to get the Olympics, to treat the officials like royalty. I say I'd rather not have the Olympics given the chance. Oh, no, I definitely want the... Uh, I definitely want the Olympics. I don't not want the Olympics. Don't get me wrong. I definitely want the Olympics. I just think somebody needs to explain... I mean, put it this way. The people who are organising security couldn't organise the proverbial in a brewery. I mean, they really are the biggest idiots you've ever heard of. I mean, you know, 56 people or 70 people should have turned up to a hotel. 17 turned up. Where are the rest of them? Chris of Potter's Bar says, uh, the flight to Vancouver went well with the Steve Allen podcast as in-flight entertainment. Broke down nine and a half hours... Uh, sorry, broke down. F- nine and a half hours flew by very quickly. There you go. I get lots of people who take the podcast with them on holiday because it's it's easier that way. You don't want to rely on the in-flight entertainment. It's rubbish, isn't it? Here's, here's sort of, another film. Another thing. Or Have you seen the in-flight radio programmes? Oh, my Godfathers. They're so awful. They're so awful. I had to make one years and years ago. The company phoned me and said, listen, we'd like you to do a kids' programme. And I went, oh, that'll be nice. They said, and it pays... Uh, I forget what it was. It was £500. This is about 30 years ago. And so I said, yeah, I'll do it. So I had to go and read a Mr Men story. And I thought, this is going to be... If this is every week, this is brilliant. No. It ran forever, this Mr Men story. Because people... You, you never got people getting the same flights again. So, of course, every time the flight... Flo- so this thing... It's probably still running now. Steve Allen reads the Mr Men. I was quite good, actually. I'm quite good at reading... I'm very good with children anyway. I'm very good at reading children's stories and very good at entertaining children. I don't know why. It's a gift, I think. It's a gift, you know. Some people don't have the gift. I have it in spades. I'm very lucky indeed. Very lucky. So I I did this Mr Men thinking I was was on a, you know... And I thought, I'm going to make so much money out of this. 500 quid a week. That's God. 200... God, blimey, I'm coining it in. It's an extra 24,000 a year. And and, And they did the one. And that was it. 
30 years later, they're still not phoned back to ask me. Very disappointing. And I had to pretend I was under the seat. So when the kids plugged their headphones in, I had to go, Hello? I'm down here. It's all very stupid, but I'm quite good at playing those sort of games. You know, if somebody says dress up, you know, as a, as a nun, I can dress up as a nun. But to actually do it's, Hello? Can you see me? Can you see me? You can't see me, can you? Because I'm under the seat. They must have been frightened out of their life, poor little souls. Mommy is a man under the seat. Imagine, can't you? But the nun, the, the nun thing, she's not a nun, OK? She's just a very silly, attention-seeking person. You all right? Good. Uh, I like the idea of a 24-foot cross illuminated in the garden. I, I quite fancy that one. Especially if it's sort of, every so often it sets itself on fire. I think that could be quite a good idea. Some of the neighbours quite liked it. I, of course, wouldn't like anything like that at all. I don't want anything. I do like lights, but I, I'm not, not a 24-foot cross, no matter how religious I am. Time now on LBC 97.3, 4.30. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Basically, how many, uh, how many hours sleep you need? I, I really don't know. I've never had seven hours sleep. I don't think I've, I've, I wouldn't know what to do with seven hours sleep. But uh, most of you writing in, going, it's, uh, it's about five hours sleep that we cope with. And uh, one here says, I sleep about three hours a day just lately, not good. I'm running on empty, feel ill. Well, I can, I can get home and I can have a little doze. I, I tend to find, because I've got to set this... <laughs> Honestly, talk about how to depress yourself yesterday. I get this this uh, magazine from Diabetes UK. And uh, only th- this isn't the magazine about Diabetes UK, which is what I get for free because I'm a life member. Because if, if you paid years ago 250 quid, you got the magazine for life, which, is, which seems fair enough, so I paid the 250 quid. And so now I get... Th- th- this was inviting me to send some money to make a donation. And the headline in it... In this magazine. So I open up this magazine, which is very glossy and very nice, and it's got positive pictures of people with diabetes. And, but the first thing it says is, people with diabetes generally can lose between 6 to 20 years off their life because they've got diabetes. And I thought, wait a minute. Huh, right now. So, well, there's no chance I'm going to live to 80... Well, anyway, it doesn't matter, whatever it is. It's, you know, do you think... And, he said, and then they said, and of course, there are more amputations every year. More than 100,000 people... Have, have limbs amputated due to diabetes. And I've started checking my legs every day now, thinking, do they look all right? You know, yes, it went out for a walk, but of course, because it was raining so much, you don't, it's not really so like a proper walk. I need to get back into the swing of it. But you don't really feel inspired, do you? So you probably got this magazine as well, because they must have done a mail shot to hundreds of thousands of people. But I felt quite depressed after reading it. I thought my days are numbered. My days are numbered with, di- with diabetes, I'm afraid. Um you say that our Olympic lane wasn't in use yet. Restrictions began yesterday. There's an Olympic village at the end of our street. Yeah, that's the one in Egham. I've just said, uh, Polly, that that's in, that's in Egham. That one's in use and the one on the motorway. But all the others are not coming in yet. So all the people who are coming in on the Westway, coming in down on the Maribone flyover, as it's better known, uh, you can drive in that lane. Drive in it. There's no restrictions yet. Not for, not for another week. Not for another week. Steve says those parasites do sit there waiting. They read the obituary pages and funeral notifications, then burgle the house. Isn't that absolutely... I mean, that, that appalls me so much that somebody would ever do that. I felt so sorry for my auntie, Ivy, because when, when she had it and she comes back from the funeral, only to discover the house had been burgled, because what she'd done is she'd put her jewellery in the freezer, like a lot of people. A lot of, lot of women keep it in the freezer because you think nobody's going to look there. It's the first place they blooming looked. So they took her jewellery box with them on the side of the bed, stuff that she'd had for years. 
You know, she said it's all replaceable. It's all, she said it doesn't matter. It's, it's just the fact that they do it when you're at a particularly low ebb. You know, if you're going to a funeral to bury your son and you're coming back and then somebody has, has burgled your house, you literally want to go out there and chop their limbs off, I'm afraid. Uh, I like Top Gear, says Joe. Jeremy Clarksman and, uh, and favourite Hamster Hammond watch it all the time. Quite good playing off each other. She thinks so too for three million quid. For three million quid, I'll play off somebody as well. Shame about Broadcasting House. I remember when Blue Peter uh, was made there in Live and Kicking 2 when I was a certain age. I remember when somebody broke into the Blue Peter garden. Do you remember? And then they put, pitched up years later to go, it was us who broke in and vandalised the garden. I used to love it when Percy Throw was there and all the nice old people. Perhaps I'm becoming a bit nostalgic. I don't mind nostalgic. I think it's quite good. It's not what it used to be, but it's, it's as good as it, it can be. Kevin says, 2.15am this morning, a queue of 30-plus lorries and vans waiting to be checked by the army to deliver to the Westfield Shopping Centre. What is the queue going to be like during the day? Luckily, I'm only delivering to the transport office until the refurb of the Athletes' Village starts in September, or I would have been stressing in that queue. And finally, the question that I said months ago, why has the security contract not been split around more companies? You never put all your eggs in one basket. He says, I'm still running on my usual five hours sleep. Five hours sleep. I mean, t- to be honest, at 2.15 this morning, a queue of lorries there because they're checking them through for the security. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. I said, listen, if somebody wants to do something to the Olympics, they're not just going to pitch up, are they, with some explosives in a bag. The chances are they're already working there because that's how it works. That's how it works, I'm afraid. There's no point in being, being naive about this. I'm sure it will be a target. We just have to be vigilant. Just have to be vigilant. And, and sort of, you know, make people aware of it. And if you're in doubt, phone the police. Oh, it's also close to uh, QPR, the television centre. Yeah, it's around the corner, isn't it? Even worse than Shepherd's Bush Green, says Nigel. Oh, you snob. <laughs> Kevin from Cheshire says, what's happening to the iconic Blue Peter Garden? Oh, gone ages ago. Gone ages ago. Blue Peter is a shadow of its former self. I feel almost embarrassed watching Blue Peter. It used to be done in their big studio. I went down to watch it live. Once, because it was one of the very few live programmes. And uh, barring supergluing the cats down in the cushions, I couldn't make them stay there for love nor money. So they used to put food in. The moment the cats had eaten the food, they were off, back to their baskets in the corner. And the, the Blue Peter Garden went, oh, ages and ages ago. I think they moved it, because now Blue Peter comes from, like, a shed. It's, it's got some northern girl who's sort of quite funny, but then they're not interested in Blue Peter, because nobody's interested in just doing one programme now. People pitch up for anything, so... Uh, Barney, Barnaby, Barney, I think it is, Barney, who sort of goes out there. He sort of, he must be, first of all, I've seen Blue Peter presenters with beards. You know, they're supposed to be representative of the people they're talking to, but the programme is now done in a studio roughly the size of this one that I'm sitting in at the moment. And it looks cheap, it looks tatty, neither of them appear to be interested. It's not, you know, they, they, they now put pop people in there. It's not as good as it was, I'm afraid. It's, it's fallen off the end of the radar, and now they've they put it onto CBeebies. It, uh, it, it's, it just doesn't do it at all. Good grief. Uh, cooking salmon from yesterday, says John. I don't know about cooking salmon in a dishwasher, but many years ago, Vincent Price once wrapped a whole salmon in foil and cooked it in a washing machine on the Russell Harty show. Yes. I've seen it done in a dishwasher, though, in, in paper. You put it in and it goes on the hot cycle and it cooks because salmon cooks really quickly, really quickly. I just I tried some of that garlic butter You know, I bought this Lurpak garlic butter. So I put a little bit in a in a saucepan because I'm a bit cordon bleu, more, more bleu than cordon, I'm afraid. And, and I cut up some sirloin steak and I put some sprouts in. Blooming nice. Oh, it was delicious. I steamed the sprouts, which then steamed 
the uh, the sirloin steak in the garlic. Not a huge bit of garlic butter, just sort of, you know what I call a normal bit. Because I'm not not a big butter fan. It was delicious. It was so nice. In fact, the steak just fell apart. It was oh wonderful. And the sprouts. I'm going to do it again today because I ended up with four bits of uh, steak. Say hi to Noreen for me. Will do. John, of course, is uh, residing very happily in Rio de Janeiro. What the weather's like over there at the moment. Can't be as bad as we've got. I sleep around 12 and wake at 4. I start to get mails and texts uh, done. Most people don't appreciate it. It wakes them up. How rude, says Maria. Yes, I mean, I, I tend not to do texts and emails at that time of the morning. But if, if ever I got a message on my phone, I would immediately check the phone. Because it, it could be something really, really important, couldn't it? You, you don't know. That's what we're, we're, we're talking about. I was amazed to hear people getting a little bit irate about the council axing the crossing patrols for children. Um, I don't think they're, they're important anymore. I think they were when we were younger. I think they were when we were younger. But I think nowadays, mums and dads walk the children to school. And, and there's always... I mean, I see no reason why somebody from the school shouldn't stand out there and do a crossing. I mean, I saw some people the other day. I mean, admittedly, they weren't all there in the brain department. On the A316 which is just by the Richmond swimming pool, uh, they had a, a walk for charity. I think it might have been for breast cancer. And there is a big road bridge that they, that they, they put up years ago so people can cross the road. No, the idiots were still standing there. We've had more deaths on that piece of the A316. There's more bunches of flowers have been tied up because people think that it's a 316 and they just wander into the middle of the road. And I saw them doing it the other day. And I remember thinking, you must be stupid. Because people have died on the stretch of road. You've just completed a walk for charity, and now you're putting yourself at risk. I have not seen, Ian, the photograph of the Olympic route at Southampton Row, where the only legal lane in the middle ends, and the motorists are left with a choice of using the bus or the games lane. Both are legal choices. Oh, yes, I did see that. That appeared on the television the other day. As for, as for Jesus, the same goes for Cleopatra. Shakira Kane would have been perfect to play her in films. A great beauty of our times. Yes, I, should, I don't think she could play Jesus. Although there was talk, wasn't there, that, they, that, that, that Andrew Lloyd Webber had said, I'm assuming in some moment after a heavy lunch, he said, oh, it could even be a woman. And I thought, oh, no, definitely not, I'm afraid. Kerrygold garlic butter is so much nicer than Lerpa. I didn't find that in Waitrose. They had their own make... I think, and then they had the, the Lurpat one. It was delicious. It was delicious. Deliveries aren't allowed during the day for much of London while the Olympics are on, says D. Oh, that's why, then. That's probably why. Uh, another one here. Amazing how many people think that, uh, that uh, the, uh, the Top Gear team are worth the money. Dreadful programme, honestly. It's just, it's just an over-expensive car programme. Which isn't very exciting. Swearing has gone too far, says Jeremy Hunt. Duncan was talking about this last night. and But it isn't just uh, football. It's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. I've heard it in the offices here. People swearing. Unbelievable. Uh, this is after John Terry was cleared of a racially aggravated public order offence. And um, I can't actually say what was it. They've written it down here. I'm just having a look on the Guardian's website. They've actually written down what was alleged to be said. And Mr Hunt said something must be done about swearing as footballers needed to set an example for young people. Don't be so stupid, Mr Hunt. You quite clearly don't know what footballers are. They're bozos. They are Neanderthals. They're, they're the thick end of the wedge. They're not intelligent at all. They earn an awful lot of money. They drive very fast cars and they look out for bimbos. That's exactly what they do. It's no good saying that they set an example for young people. They don't do anything of the kind, I'm afraid. He says, I know about this, he said, because I'm a qualified football referee. I've been at the receiving end of it. I know, I've spoken to referees before about it. You're never going to stop people swearing. 
They're not going to go, oh, bother, referee, it's dreadful. I think that I should have taken that corner there. Yes, blow me down. Good heavens above. Yes, I love everybody. Hello. Good morning. Balderdash. Oh, dear, that's terrible, isn't it? Well, oh, goodness me, that hurt. Ow, ow, ow. They're not going to do that at all, are they? I mean, they're, they're so out of touch, ministers. They really are. I like the idea, as I say, that uh, Julie Walters has set out the makers of the TV talent shows, accusing them of exploiting contestants. Uh, she's not the first person. Uh, Paul Weller criticised the so-called edgy aspiring singers who chase success by auditionings on the shows. And uh, the former Jam frontman, he said it's Saturday night viewing for the masses, adding, would I be a judge? Would I hell? Elton John has said he's not a fan of talent shows. Well, I should... Why would you be? Because these people have no longevity. They keep putting bits in the paper to try and try and make it into, like, Sher Lloyd is conquering America. She's doing no such thing at all. She's doing no such thing at all. Julie Walters also told the magazine she's a soap addict and would love to appear in Coronation Street, EastEnders or Emmerdale. I don't think she's done any of those. Emmerdale, uh, sorry, EastEnders, uh, sorry, Coronation Street is the one that's stupid at the moment. That stupid woman who's playing chess with, uh, with Roy Cropper, who's apparently serving in a cafe without wearing proper overalls and a hat to cover his hair. But there you go, that'll be health and safety. I've written to them in Manchester saying, are you checking what's going on in Coronation Street? Quite clearly, there's people who deserve to be taken into uh, into custody immediately. You've got this stupid woman giving the stupidest lines ever and playing it like some pantomime character. It's absolutely awful. Awful, I'm afraid. Karen says, I was chatting to a, a G4S driver yesterday and we spoke about the mess they're in. Read the Olympics. He said it's because they should have started training sooner, but they chose not to to save money. Plus, the hourly rate of pay was too low to get the best people. It's appalling, isn't it, really, that we've had to draft in soldiers. And now in Manchester, they've had to draft in um, uh, police officers. They brought in police officers. I'm free for a few days. I could sort of pop round there and help out if, if they're that desperate. Could be the kind of thing that'd be good, wouldn't it? I would imagine. I'm only guessing, of course. Only guessing. Uh, Mark says, the steak meal with sprouts sounds lovely. Did you do it all in a steamer? No, I did it in a saucepan. I did it in a saucepan. I cut up... I don't ever have a whole steak. I cut steak up with a pair of... I've got kitchen scissors. I swear by kitchen scissors. And so what I do is I cut the steak up into nice bite-sized chunks, put it in with some garlic butter, tipped a whole packet of sprouts in on the top, put the lid on, and left it for about, I don't know, 35 minutes or something. It was delicious. Absolutely delicious. The smell of garlic butter wafting through on the steak, and the sprouts were just done to my usual sogginess. I'm afraid I like soggy, soggy sprouts. They put a woman on the television yesterday. This is this woman who's been injecting her, uh, her bum. And so they put her on with Eamon Holmes, who apparently hasn't been injecting his bum, but looks like he has. And uh, oh, he does. Look at him. Look at the size of him, honestly. <laughs> Where's the sofa gone? Oh, my goodness. Me. And, uh, and he had the wife next to him yesterday, which was quite funny, because she's just come back, obviously, from some sort of holiday somewhere. So she was a bit brown and bronzed. But the trouble is, HD television is so unforgiving. I've noticed so many people on there, and you think to yourself, it's, they have this new makeup where they spray, because HD television, it shows everything. So if you've got a small moustache growing, it shows. If you've got real rink, oh, it sh- it's awful. It's so dreadful. I shall never do television. Radio is so much easier. You don't even need to wear clothes for it. This is LB Steve Allen. It's interesting, the amount of football referees who have to put up with uh, players swearing and pointing fingers at them, because they're, they're nasty people, football players. You do get some nice ones, but unfortunately the majority, because they're earning so much money, they think they're, they're God. 
They really think they can get away with abusing people, cheating on the girlfriends, cheat at... Well, they do that all the time, don't they? Cheat on the girlfriends, cheat on the wives. You know, they go out, they get drunk. You know, they, they leave their cars all over the place. They think they're above the law, which is a bit of a shame. I mean, you wouldn't find that in rugby, would you? Rugby is so much more of a gentleman's game. If you started messing around like that, the, uh, the referee would go, Oi, off. Off now. Go, 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 girly boy. Off you go. You know, unfortunately, there's so many sort of girls playing football at the moment. That's why we can't play it. Because they're all out there sort of discussing nails and makeup and hair and everything else. Keeps them going for a bit, doesn't it, I suppose? Uh, 84850, uk or 08456060973. So the good news is that you can actually come in on the, uh, the Westway, down Marylebone Road, down there, the Euston Road, and you can use the, uh, the Olympic Lane. You couldn't use it. You can't use it from the 25th, but you can use it at the moment. Yesterday, nobody was using it. I'd love to have driven down there. I'd have waved at all the people going, hello, hello. I'd have waved. Or put a big sign on the top of the car. You can use it till the 25th. You know, just to watch people. But they're everybody's so terrified because of all the cameras, thinking that they're going to get nicked. But uh, you won't. You will not. So, so don't worry about it. Do it now. Do it now. There's a shoplifter caught with 24 cans of corned beef down his trousers. You can tell he's a heroin addict, can't you? Heroin addicts are the stupidest. And uh, they, are pe- they nick corned beef. I mean, I ask you. 27 t- 24 tins of it. And uh, he was on bail for those crimes. And then he also tried to steal £56 worth of cheese. As well. It's just the things that people nick. And mainly they are drug addicts. Drug addicts are the saddest yesterday. We had, we had one who apparently had done LSD and was the saddest person I'd ever heard of, really. He's, how he ever managed to find the computer to write in and say, explain exactly what LSD did was totally beyond me. Got no sympathy for anybody on drugs. Self-inflicted, I'm afraid. Buffoons. Buffoons are the first order. Everybody picking on uh, Keith Allen, who's going to be doing this drugs thing on television, and everybody quite rightly saying what we said yesterday, which is, why do they need to put an actor on television taking a drug which is illegal to see the effect when you can go around most hospitals and most drug rehabilitation units and find enough people who'll tell you what goes on. The answer is it's a cheap, tacky television programme. It won't solve anything at all. What's the point of giving it to Keith Allen? Why why would that make any difference to anybody's lives? It doesn't. Go out there and find the people whose lives have been ruined by drugs. Walk up and down the Charing Cross Road any time of the day or night. You'll bump into at least ten drug addicts. Uh, Oh, my. Oh, my. They're like that. It's just pathetic. It's so pathetic. You don't need to put a, an actor on the table. He said, oh, it'll be, it'll be done under laboratory conditions, testing, so we can see what happens. You don't need to do that. Go out on the streets. Not surprised the drug rehabil- uh, rehabilitation place are up in arms over it, saying this is just the worst ever, I'm afraid. The worst ever. We don't need that kind of thing. Uh, Celebrity MasterChef is switching back to BBC Two after when they moved it to one, apparently. It was a total ratings flop. It's only because nobody likes the people hosting it. And so this time they've actually got... Uh, Gareth Gate, Cheryl Baker, Jenny Eclair, Jamie Theakston on it, all going to be cooking. I'm, I'm, I'm bored. There was a programme on the telly the other day. It was another house programme going around. They're, they're on a double-decker bus. It's some bloke who I think used to be on some news programme in the morning. And they've obviously thought, oh, you, you can now be a presenter on the television. And, and once they use somebody on the television, they seem to use them all the time. Um, uh, Jane says, I noticed, too, how stressed... Uh, Ruth, Eamon's wife, looked on this morning yesterday, quite tanned. I think she's been away on holiday. She'd definitely been somewhere because she was, she was not her usual sort of pale colour. She was a bit, she was a bit bronze. Is she a smoker? It's interesting you say she's a smoker because I thought that yesterday. I don't know if she's a smoker. I know that Philip Schofield smokes like a trooper. 
But then that would explain all the lines underneath her nose. Because that's what, when, when you smoke, doesn't that happen for ladies? If you're a smoker, you get the lines underneath your nose. And you get these, yeah, because you're, cause I think that's why it's because you're doing that. I wonder what that was, actually. I might write her a letter saying try Botox. You know, a little bit of Botox just to sort of plump it up a little bit. It won't help, will it? But, I mean, I'm just, I've sent off for this stuff. It's the first time ever. I've, I've resisted. Because, you know, I bought this very expensive cream for eyes. And, and I then got... I saw this thing on the television the other day. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it to you this morning. I'm ashamed and embarrassed to tell you that they were doing it on Living World. And it's stuff. It, it's like a little serum. And you put a little tiny drop, I mean tiny, around your eyes. I can't wait to test it. And, <laughs> and you put it around your eyes. And apparently within a minute... It's dried and you look so much younger. <laughs> Lou says that's why... <laughs> I can't say that. I can't say that on air. I can't say it about her. I'm not saying it about her. She's too perfect for words. She's... I'm not... I know. I wouldn't... I would, Lou, I wouldn't say that about you. I really wouldn't. Even if I thought it was true and I don't. I don't, seriously. <laughs> she thinks it looks like a cat's bottom. <laughs> Once before five, there's the watershed for this programme. Once before five, how, how cruel, how cruel. But actually, a little bit of Botox. Peter Andre's admitted having baby Botox, whatever the dickens that is. But I'm looking forward to trying this eye cream. But they've said only little, little tiny bit on, smooth it in, and it dries. Now, I think you get roughly the same with hemorrhoid cream. And that's once before five o'clock as well. I'm told that Anusol is actually quite good for things like that. Or failing that, egg white. A lot of models use egg white. Just the egg white. Just painted on very lightly. And when it dries, it stretches the skin out. It's always a bit of an embarrassment, though, isn't it? When you sort of go home, and if you've happened to have a partner, and then you take your makeup off or something like that, and all of a sudden you look like this old person. What you're supposed to do is cold water is very good for your face. Don't ever use soap. Soap really, really bad. But that's very interesting that a couple of you should write in and say that they think that Ruth, Eamon's wife, smokes. Because that would explain the lines. Because I think you only get those if you smoke. And that's why I said it's very unforgiving television. Very unforgiving. But, I mean, there's loads of ways you can, you can stop smoking now. If you want to stop smoking. If you want to stop smoking. I mean, you know, I've done it. If I, if I can do it, anybody can blooming well do it. It just takes a bit of willpower. And, and I, th- I don't know how many you have to smoke for it, but it, oh, I, it does occur with women. I've, when I've done shows, I've had ladies in the audience and I've said to them, I bet you smoke. They've gone, how do you know? I said, I can just tell. I can, I can, I can listen to, it doesn't happen to men. Men don't get that, but women get that. And I don't know why that is. So there you go. It's a strange thing, isn't it? 84850, uk, And, uh, Steve, six hours for me. Sleep, that is. He said, I've just cooked a lamb stew in a bag, popped in, in, uh, popped in a kettle, oil, tomatoes, onions, all in one. They come out fried and ready to eat. Oh, how delicious. Steak, steak and, um, and Brussels sprouts yesterday was quite delicious. The garlic butter's a big hit now. Uh, you cheeky man, says Ian. You know I meant Shakira Kane as Cleopatra. You now raise an interesting vision of Michael Kane playing Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Well, actually, he does look a bit like Charlton Heston, doesn't he? He could have done it. Oh, Lord, I have sinned. I love that film. It was one of my favourite films. Hollywood made really good epics. They really made great epics. I didn't believe any of them, but I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, Another one here. I agree with you about thieves. 
targeting Chris Tarrant's mother's home. Disgusting. I was burgled when I was 21, coming home after an operation to find the home ransacked and all my presents gone, my camera equipment, brother stuff too. Terrible. I mean, it, it, it is just awful when people will steal. And I think you're right. They, they do target people. But, you know, for, for poor Chris Tarrant to come back, and quite rightly, he was really upset. I mean, you know, if, if you'd have given him a gun, he'd probably have shot them. I'd have done the same. Anybody who would steal from you, the very idea that somebody would enter your, your property and touch stuff belonging to you, pfft, chop their hands off. They've got it right in Saudi Arabia, one of the few things they do have right. The open Queen Victoria's beach. Sounds a bit of a rude thing, I know, but it's apparently her private beach where she used to go swimming. She had a bathing machine that came right down to the water. And I think they've actually still, still got the bathing machine. I think it's there. And it was part of the National Trust property, but the beach was gifted to the nation. And so now it, it, it can be open to you. Although, to be honest with you, I don't think she actually swam. I think she more bobbed around on the beautiful briny, which was lovely. Uh, Simon Thurley says Osborne was her retreat from the formalities of Buckingham Palace. Now people can visit the seaside. It's near Cowes. It opens from July 27th. And it'll do really well because you will want to go there because the beach hasn't changed. It's exactly as it was when Victoria used to step out there and, uh, and go swimming. In fact, you can see it, I think, in the film Victoria. I think, is it called Victoria? The one with uh, Judy Dench, who plays Queen Victoria? And she's wearing this, this old-fashioned... Mrs Brown, that's right. She's wearing this old-fashioned swimming costume. And that's where you get to see Billy Connolly stark naked. Mind you, Billy Connolly spends most of his time with his clothes off, I'm afraid. Poor soul. Um, a lot of people talking about 3D films. I've seen 3D television. It really doesn't interest me at all. It really, really doesn't interest me. I, mean, I couldn't get excited about it if it was the last piece of televisual art that was available to us. So I'm not doing there. Uh, Jackie, thank you for that one. Uh, Brian says, read the shopping TV channels. The women presenters seem to be of a large size when they do cards. Oh, you're talking about the people who make um, cards for Christmas and birthday and stuff like that. You're quite right. They are of the larger kind. You know why? Because they spend a lot of time sitting down and playing around with glitter and stuff like that. I've never understood why anybody would ever want to make their own Christmas birthday cards, Easter cards, get well soon, welcome to your divorce and happy death cards. I've never understood that at all. But, uh, but they do, and they spend ages making them, all for somebody to open up and go, oh, look, that's from, that's from Susan, and then put it to one side. You think somebody just spent about seven hours making that blooming thing, so that's why. There's always some problem with these uh, people on these programs, but I do watch them. I know a number of people who work on some of these channels and the rubbish they have to sell, even they're embarrassed. He said, but listen, if somebody's paying you 35 grand a year, you'll stand there and sell anything. Tanzanite is the favourite jewellery at the moment. And they go, it's so rare. And you think, oh, this must be really expensive. £19.99. And you think, it's rubbish, that's why. It's absolute rubbish. And then they show you a, a thing of the people finding it and they look as poor as church mice. I do love watching the shopping channels on the television. So, this morning, do you think we can finally get the Olympic lanes right? Do you think you might have fathomed out which one you're supposed to be in? I shouldn't think so. News is next. On FM, Steve Allen. Too much swearing in football. Not so much too much swearing. It's the fact that we can all lip-read now, so you can see what somebody's saying. And they're quite aggressive footballers. You know, gone are the days when it was considered sort of gentlemanly and people shook hands. Now they're just nasty and vicious, I'm afraid. Parents protesting as the council has axed crossing patrols for children. Uh, I think what we actually came to the conclusion was, well, certainly Duncan appeared to, is that you don't really need them anymore. 
Kids get taken to school, they get dropped off by the school gates. Very rarely do you see kids walking by themselves along the side of the road. It just doesn't happen. Mummy or Daddy will take them, or the neighbours. Parents say that children's lives could be put in danger on busy main roads. Well, just walking along the road anyway could put your life in danger. It's got nothing to do with having, having lollipop ladies. I like the idea of having a lollipop lady. I think that's quite funny. I think that's quite funny. I always imagine they did give you free lollipops, but, of course, they don't. They just stand there with a... Oh, right, your one did. Slight worry. Um, but they used to sort of, you know, have this giant thing there and they'd let you sort of cross the road. And, uh, and it, it was good because you got to know them. You go, hello. And they go, Stephen, you're 33. For goodness sake, just keep walking, will you? Managed to cross the road by... I said, can we do it again? Do it again, do it again. Turn around across the road back again the other side. But uh, Christine Blower, General Secretary of the National Union of Teachers, says schools can't just magic up money to pay for such a service. Oh, the schools pay for it. Apparently, uh, 29 jobs, £200,000 a year. They don't earn a lot of money, do they, lollipop men and women? Perhaps you could have people who volunteer. I bet there's loads of, of people... You know, perhaps retired people who would go, listen, I'll, I'll do it for free. You know, for an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon. Gets me out. Means you can have a chat with people. Why not? Do it for free. I know it doesn't seem right. And I know that, you know, money should, should change hands. But if the schools can't afford it, and if people think that they really do need to have a lollipop lady or man... Traditionally, they are ladies, lollipop ladies, and occasionally you get a lollipop. We've got a lollipop, I think, lady round our way. But uh, there's loads of schools, but I've only ever seen one lollipop lady. And I quite like stopping the car when she stops and puts her thing in the middle of the thing and the little kids run in front. And it's really good. I like it. But, you know, if, if they can save £200,000 a year, they've got to go, I'm afraid, because we just don't have the money. We are in the middle of a recession. I hate to keep pointing it out to people that we don't have any any money. And unfortunately... To, you know, to have a lollipop lady and man, much as though we love it and it's part of our tradition and heritage, we just have to teach children to, um, to cross the road by themselves. Apparently Duncan had a great call from somebody who said that they teach kids about a position of authority who should be respected. But do you think kids... At, I mean, sometimes kids at that age are completely different from kids of 11 and 12. You know, when, when they're five and six and, and, they see, and, and they stand there and go, hello and the cars stop for them, then they understand. But by the time they get to 11, they're, like, jumping on the car bonnets and everything. Like they used to do that dreadful programme, Fame. In Twickenham, they do it all the time. They're always jumping, it's dancing and singing, you know. I want to live forever. We like stuff like that. So today, don't forget, still coming into town on the M4, you still cannot use the Olympic Lane, the bus lane, which is the right-hand side. It's a different colour. So for anybody who's a bit colourblind, you'll notice it, because it stands out like a sore thumb. Coming into town, though... Or there's another road out at Egham we think could be, uh, could be closed as well to normal traffic. But coming into town on the Westway, you can use the Olympic Lane. They don't come into force until the 25th. Don't come into force until the 25th. So if you want to use them, use them today. Because everybody else will be sitting there panicking, thinking we aren't allowed to use them. You can. OK? You can. Um, the, other, the other problem is uh, post office. Have you, do people use the post office? I use the post office. I don't use it as often as I should do, but I used it the other day for getting my passport, and I thought that was good. That was a good service. I just filled in all my little bits of paper, stuck it in the uh, in the post, gave it to them, and they, they looked after it from start to finish. People go in there for stamps. I tend to buy stamps in Costco because they're a little bit cheaper, or I go to Mr and Mrs Modi because they also do books of stamps, and I like buying books of stamps. But now the government reform of the post office network could be coming in. What they're going to do, it could be undermined by deficiencies in the training of staff. 
Because it must be quite difficult to learn what you can do and what you can't do. And so most people get around it. Uh, one shop, one stop, owned by Tesco, is interested in taking over 600 post offices. A full-scale takeover of post offices by a few companies with the reduced opportunities for individuals owning post offices would change the ethos of many post offices. Now, I've seen programmes on the television. I think Mary Portis has been out and tried to sort out problems with post offices where people have struggled to make a living. You know, you've got a little tiny shop in the village and you have to sell your groceries and bread and butter and milk and tins of beans and stuff like that. Plus, you've got the post office services. And to be honest, most people go out there and they uh, they use the big supermarkets and they don't bother using the post offices because the profit margins are just too high. People are looking for value for money nowadays, so they want to go out. It's only useful, the, the local post office or the little village shop, if they're doing stuff cheap. And of course, they can't afford to do it. I mean, I've seen so many of these shops go under. and People go, oh, it's the lifeline to the village. And you think, well, did you support it when it was there? And the answer is most people don't because they go and buy all their stuff and they're looking to save an awful lot of money. Uh, Steve says the big danger is children are not taught how to cross the road properly. Instead of waiting for traffic to stop, they just walk into the road. Remember the Tufty Club? Yes, I, well, I, I remember the Green Cross code man, Dave Prowse. And he would stand there and go, look left, look right. Or was it right, left? No, right, left, and then right again. If it's safe, then you cross. Nowadays, you're right. They do run into the roads. That's, ve- that's very bad, I'm afraid. Karen says, when I first met my husband 26 years ago, we stayed in a hotel opposite Kensington Palace. I was so worried about him seeing me without makeup that I wouldn't take it off before bed. He would therefore wake up to see a panda by his side. I'd then run to the bathroom to put fresh on. I thought he'd finish with me if he saw me looking natural. I know it's a shock, that, isn't it, really? When somebody sees what you really look like. <gasps> Shocking. Shocking, I'm afraid. Not so good at all. Not so good. Uh, oh, dear. I do need this lemon in the morning. Do you know, the good news today is I love bringing you good news. It doesn't happen very often, I'm afraid. <coughs> Excuse me, the stories in the papers are quite depressing. The suicide dad who's killed his three children... He stabbed them to death. I mean, it's just, you can't imagine <clears throat> what the kids must have been thinking or even going through. It's just, it's just too horrible for words, I'm afraid. Uh, the, uh, the immoral tactics of presenters, <coughs> according to the Daily Mail, which is where they're reducing their tax bills by being paid through private companies. And I've said before, I don't know why it's the, uh, the Mail are getting all uppity over this one. It's quite common knowledge. Most people who, who have um, a job within the media television or radio or newspapers, and, and especially newspaper, newspaper columnists, I should imagine, are paid into a company. They're actually paid in. Is it fresh? All right. They're actually paid by, you know, by a big company into another company. I invoice Global Radio for my services, and they pay it into my bank account. But they, they could just as easily pay it into Steve Allen, Inc., it wouldn't make any difference where, where it was paid, because I still have to register with the tax office. And you know me, I'm so, I'm so honest, it's embarrassing. Whereas a lot of people sort of like to pay as little... I mean, I like to pay as little tax as possible. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm quite happy to pay as little tax as possible. But if they tell me this is how much you have to pay, that's what you pay. That's what you, you, you pay an accountant for nowadays. That's why Jimmy Carr would have had very, very good accountants who would explain to him the legalities of putting your money offshore. Perfectly legal... And perfectly right, if that's what he chooses to do. He only put 3.3 million. As I said before, Adele, if, if she's turning over £35 million in one year, 
That's what she got. You can imagine how much money is floating around. The man who created the Spice Girls was uh, dropped from X Factor last night after it emerged he's being sued over the, the leaked sex video. Good Lord. It's a whole p- I'm so bored with Talisa and this dreary film, I'm afraid. I'm just, I've just had enough of it. I've, you know, every time it's in the papers, I keep saying the same thing. If you hadn't made it in the first place, we wouldn't be here now. You know, wherever you make something stupid like that, and I'm quite sure there are probably naked pictures of me somewhere probably taken when I was about three months old or something, upside down on a rug. I don't know why we were always photographed on a rug. It was always a bit, bit peculiar. Lots of pictures in the, uh, the papers today of, uh, of all the, uh, the cars queuing uh, beside the West London Olympic Lane and nobody going in it, and yet you can go in it. You can go in it. You know, they're open to all traffic at the moment. The only one is the, is the M4. Please drive in it. Please drive in it. We found another benefit f- swindler. We haven't had a benefit swindler for some time. And this is Yvette Sackett, who comes from Stoke-on-Trent. She worked at Tesco's. Surprisingly, I'd so love to be a magistrate because I'd be changing the law, I'm afraid, straight away on this one. Uh, she was claiming benefit uh, while she was working as a Tesco checkout Operator, she failed to tell welfare bosses when she got the job and continued to pocket incapacity payments for another seven years. She only raked in eleven and a half thousand pounds, but they let her walk free from court. I'm hoping Tesco's fired her, but uh, she's been given a twelve-month community order. The DWP are trying to recover the money. As far as I'm concerned, it's either a case of do you have the money? No, you're going to prison. You thieved this money. You knowingly had thieved it, and you took it, and so you go to prison. I couldn't care less who you are. Whether it's 11,000 or 100... I mean, she's probably way down the list in terms of benefit fraudsters. Some people go for hundreds of thousands of pounds. There'll be people listening to this programme at the moment. People who are going out today to deliberately thieve, and they'll be doing it, you know, with either a house or a mortgage scam. There was a mortgage scam that came up in the paper today, and it was mortgages being sold to prisoners. Sold to prisoners. It was just a scam to rake in £10 million from uh, banks and building societies. So here is this woman here. And uh, she, she'd claimed that she was told she could work for so many hours a week. But she's been given this community order. Only £11,500 working on the Tesco checkout. Yvette Sackett. And so she's in all the papers today. Ali Ross. Well, I think I'll actually have to save that for our free podcast for later on today. Because they're still going on about this woman who claims that she's Jimmy Savile's love child. Now then, now then, now then. And of course, she left it later. The family are saying they don't want any more... DNA testing done. They're not really interested in any more DNA testing. They know that she's only after money. Uh, Jimmy Savile left an estate apparently about seven and a half million pounds. Uh, most of it has gone to charity. And uh, they say, that, listen, just let him rest in peace for God's sake. Let him rest in peace. Uh, but no, she's going to plough on with it. I've got no idea why. Why she didn't do his donkeys years ago. It's not like she's only just sort of, sort of seven years old or something. I like the story of Matt Clark. Uh, he's been charged over claims a fishing contest was won with a giant bass nicked from an aquarium. He actually pinched it from an aquarium and then pretended he'd landed it, which, of course, he hadn't. And so that's what they call a large-scale crime. <laughs> News headlines with Eleanor Noakes. The man who drew up security... P- 97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Nice day today. It's actually going to be a nice day. No rain. <clears throat> well, a little bit is forecast later on, but I'm hoping we can do without it. They say today could actually be the nice day that we've all been waiting for for ages and ages and ages. So if it happens, you heard it first at this time of the morning. Should be uh, a little bit warmer than of late. 
So for that, I read sticky and horrible. 23 degrees. So double it and add 30, 46, 76. Well, it's OK. You can cope with that. Currently, 16 degrees here in Leicester Square. Tonight, dry throughout the evening. Some late spells of sunshine. Overcast overnight with patch... <coughs> With patchy light rain. <coughs> I'm just half a lemon stuck in my throat, I think, this morning. A little bit better. A little bit better. Anyway, trust you well. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast as we head towards the Olympics. All guns are blazing. I'm looking forward to it now. I'm looking forward to it. Next week on the programme, we will have um, our trip round the gardens. I went round the gardens at the Olympic site. Took us forever to get there, but it was worth it when I got there because it's really quite lovely. It's very tranquil. Very peaceful, but I'm, and I'm hoping people go there and they'll have picnics and they'll do all their usual, they'll, all their usual stuff because they've cleaned the canal out and it's it's just ever so pretty. If we have if we have nice weather, which I'm fingers crossed, hoping that God looks down at us and goes, they've got the Olympics, let's make it nice weather for them. I think tonight could be or today the start of decent weather. It, it, it'll probably get bad again, and then it'll get better again. So we'll have we'll have good bad weather all over the place. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk or oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. I've got some great stories for the free podcast later on. Looking at various people in the paper today, uh, we're talking about who's actually going to be going into. Uh, the I'm a celebrity, get me out of here jungle, as if anybody cared, I'm afraid. And then looking at the uh, celebrity master chef, and they've said here they've actually scraped the barrel. Cause I mentioned some people earlier on, I thought they were okay. Also, George Layton is going in, but unfortunately, they've got Michael Underwood, former host of shopping and gaming channel The Zone, somebody called Danny Mills, never even heard of him, it is apparently in England, right back, Zoe Salmon. Couldn't get arrested, I wouldn't have thought. Rebecca Romero, uh, t- TV gardener, dear McGavin, I like him, and Richard McCourt of Dick and Dom. The only act... Well, anyway. And so Richard McCourt will be going in. That'll be exciting. Jenny Eclair will be going in. Jamie Theakston, Cheryl Baker, Gareth Gates and Javine. Leila Ruas bringing glamour. I don't know why they say that. Like, she's so boring. So boring. And... Um, Lovely, this one here, guess who? Oh, no, she, uh, Leila Ruas dated James Petrie. Go on, I defy any of you to know who James Petrie is. The answer is you won't know. He's head of development kitchen for Heston Blumenthal's empire, and that's it. That's his claim to fame, which I think is quite funny. I love it when they, when they have to tell you what, what somebody does for a living, because otherwise you wouldn't have the faintest idea. Um, more on the weather. It's going to stay the same. Uh, just to clarify, says Mark, do you use frozen sprouts? Certainly not. Frozen sprouts? Are you mad? Where the, where the heck are you from? Witness. God, blood. Frozen sprouts? Certainly not. And, uh, yes, I cook them without any water at all. You don't need to if you're steaming things. That's why it's called steaming. That would be without water. Um, if I got a pound for, for every time somebody said, oh, a milkman, I've not seen one of you for years, says Kevin, I could have retired years ago. When I ask, can I deliver to you? They say, nah, cheaper in the shop, mate. But good luck anyway, and that's why my round goes from Mile End to Hatton Garden. Ridiculous, isn't it? Mile End to Hatton Garden. I mean, that that is actually quite a lot. What do people use post offices for? Free cash withdrawals. In Dagenham, says Barry, there is a cash machine charging £1.80 for a single withdrawal just outside the post office, and people use it. I know, we've all done it. We've all done it if you're out on the town some night. But, I mean, I haven't paid to, to withdraw. Why should you pay to withdraw your own cash? Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, Lynn says, I wasn't that keen 
on us hosting the Olympics, but I had hoped we'd get through it with a modicum of self-respect, but with farmyard scenes, mess-ups with security and faulty sat-navs, seems like it's more game for a laugh. Um, I, I see, I like, I just, I'm, I'm warming to the idea. I'm not sure about the closing ceremony. I was running through it with a friend of mine yesterday, and I was saying, they've got this, I said, and they're going to have somebody singing at the end. Russell Brand is going to sing. And then I was reminded by Bridget that he apparently sang in Rock of Ages. But I just don't think Russell Brand is a good, a good ambassador, I'm afraid. I, I really, I just really don't. I don't know why. Uh, the Who are going to be there. There's only two of them now. They'll have a, have a group up on stage. They don't talk to each other. Um, another one here says, there's so much positive news that could be reported. Why don't people report it? Of course, it doesn't sell newspapers because this country's media, says Larry, has conditioned us to be negative and inspired by the X Factor and Britain's Got Talent. I just wonder how the opening ceremony will turn out. Let's hope all the local council doesn't decide to pull the plug halfway through. That'll certainly put us on a prime spot to our first Olympic gold medal for being a worldwide laughing stock. No, I don't think we are, actually. I th- Listen, if this is going to generate an awful lot of money coming into the country, if this is going to bring people in, people love coming here anyway because we're quaint. We're British. We're Merchant Ivory. That's what we are. We are, we are, uh, hey, nonny, no. And lots of ladies in crinolines and men going, good morning, madam. That's what we ha- That's what people think it is. People think it's Fortnum and Mason's only, uh, only on the film world. They don't realise that, you know, London is a, is a world-class city. It's got everything. It's got the good bits, the bad bits. It's got, you know, the nice delivery drivers like uh, Jason doing his Warburton's bread. They seem to have taken away most of the places he can park up now. Where he parks up just round by Trafalgar Square, just on next to Halfway to Heaven, that there used to be a bit where he could pull in. They've concreted over it now, so they, they've taken away all these bits. And there's traffic wardens everywhere. We've got traffic... Tri- Twickenham must be a traffic warden training ground at the moment. Yesterday there were some builders like... When I say builders, they were not very pleasant at all. And the traffic warden's there, and he's written out a ticket. And this bloke's holding a saw in his hand, and the other boat's looking at him, and they're threatening him. I'd have called the police. I'd have absolutely called the police. They were threatening this poor traffic warden, who was doing his job. He gives a ticket to somebody who is parked illegally. It was the old Clive Bull argument. People would phone up and say, oh, it's terrible, I've just been given a speeding ticket. And Clive would say, were you speeding? Yes. Well, that's why you got a speeding ticket. You know, if you get away with it... It's okay, It's okay, But, you know, these men were very, very intimidating. Uh, I'm eating cheese, Steve. Nightmares are anticipated. Keep listening to this programme this morning. Definitely, definitely. Brooke Vincent and Michael Lavelle went to see Ryan Thomas at a football match the other day. They're they're trying to push him forwards, I think, to uh, to go into I'm a Celebrity, but nobody knows who he is, which is a shame. And um, more on Celebrity MasterChef. And Strictly Come Dancing is coming back again very shortly. And uh, they've actually uh, sold it. It's going to be Dancing with the Stars in Lebanon. In Lebanon? <laughs> Have they got enough celebrities in the Lebanon, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, so the post office is this morning, big talking point. Uh, and also, managers are suffering because of harmful culture across British industry. That's working around, wait for this one, 46 days of unpaid, unpaid overtime a year, going to work while you're ill and suffering increased levels of stress and depression. Research among a 1,000 managers painted a bleak picture of bigger workloads, more ill health, and low levels of job satisfaction. And you do hear people saying this more and more now, don't you? You say to somebody, how are you? And they go, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And you go, well, what hours are you working? They say, I'm doing that. You say, are you mad? 
well, you have to do it because you just feel that, you know, they would think you weren't pulling your weight. Uh, unfortunately, the Chartered Institute of Management says its study also showed a number of negative management styles that emerged over the past few years, including over-bureaucratic or authoritarian and meetings. Meetings, apparently, the big downfall of companies now. You know, more meetings than actually doing the actual work. Most of the managers questioned said their organisations had been restructured in the past year, while almost half had seen compulsory redundancies. There used to be, I know it seems a long time ago, but I'm sure many of you will remember, there used to be such a thing as a job for life. Do you remember you went into a trade or a profession and you trained up to do it, and then all of a sudden, I mean, the only thing you're certain of now is an undertaker. If you train as an undertaker, not that I would recommend it to everybody, it's not for the faint-hearted, I'm afraid, um, that would be the job that you would have for life. I, I, I had to smile to myself this morning. I was reading a piece in the paper. Tom Daly, you know, his, his father died the other year at the age of 40. Tom keeps his ashes in his bedroom. He said, and I, he said, when I first had them in there, he's got them in an urn. They always give them in an urn. They never put them in anything nice. They always give them to you in an urn. And so you've, you've got the ashes. And he said, I look at them every morning, I always say, hello, Dad. He said, and so that's... That's where my dad is now. And I thought, because I was wondering, I, I, I wasn't sure, actually, what had happened to, uh, to Tom's dad. I didn't know that he'd been cremated. But he said in a, a recent interview that he, he has the, his dad's ashes on his uh, shelf in his bedroom and he talks to him every morning. All we need is to make sure that your dad and his memory, you know, get covered well at the Olympics and we come away with a gold. That's all we care about. We only want golds. I don't, you know, it'd be nice to get other medals. But as anybody will tell you in this business, gold is what we hanker after. If we get, if we get 40, what did I predict yesterday? 47 medals. If, if we get 47, I'll not be disappointed in that. If we get more than 20 golds, I'll be very happy. Can we try and get them in some sports people have heard of, though? You know, like running or jumping. You know, hurling and synchronised swimming doesn't kind of do it for me, I'm afraid. I quite like some... Some sporting medal. I think we'll do it. I think we'll do it. I think we'll all go out there. I think we'll just get ourselves caught up in the whole excitement of everything. The fact that it's... I don't think we've actually realised that we've got the Olympic Games. I think we just realised at the moment we've got inconvenience with the traffic and nobody understands which lanes you can use. We haven't quite got into, into the actual thing. I think once we've had the opening ceremony, once the opening ceremony has taken place for the Olympics, then I think you'll all be writing in going, do you know, it was fantastic. I'm hoping... I've looked at the lineup. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll manage something. I mean, come on, we're British. We actually gave people Noel's house party, and it's, incidentally, they are filming at the moment uh, Noel's new show, which is a pilot type show. They're doing it out at Elstree, I think. This is the new show which brings him back to the BBC on a Saturday evening. I think they should have remade Noel's house party. It does contain celebrities. And uh, to all intents and purposes, it looks pretty good. I wish they'd bring back the house party. I wish they'd give him back the Christmas present programme because they did it very well on the BBC. I'm not saying it didn't do well on Sky. It did do well, but the BBC just made it a bit more lavish and it was a bit more exciting. But the programme is being filmed at the moment. This is the, the Saturday night one. And I think it looks quite nice. I think it looks quite nice. About time we got something back on television that you can actually watch. You know, that is watchable, because I'm, I'm sick to death of third-rate celebrity programmes with people who've come off the Only Wears Essex. I'm looking for something a little bit more a little bit more subtle, something a bit more entertaining. If anybody can do it, Noel Edmonds can pull it off, because he's a natural presenter, and he does it so well. I even watch Deal or No Deal. I laugh at the greed of some of the people on there. I look at them, and I think to myself, when they go, and you've been offered 16,000, and they go... 
Thank you, Mr. Banker, but no deal. And I think 16... You wouldn't make 16,000... You've just made 16,000 quid in about 15 minutes and you're turning it down. And then, of course, they... Oh, the 250,000 has gone and the 100,000... And I laugh. Secretly, I laugh because, as you know, I thrive on other people's misery. So, very happy with that one. But uh, I look forward to the new programme coming back, Noel. And uh, probably an inclusion myself. It's LBC 97.3. 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 28 minutes to six is the time. Why do we get in a tizzy over tipping? Strangely, Nick Ferrari talked about this the other day, and he's adopted what I've adopted for ages. If there is very little service when you go into a restaurant, you cross the service charge off. I don't see why I should have to pay these staff for the inability of the owners of these restaurants to pay people a proper living wage. And he said he crossed it off. And I think Eamon Holmes said, can you do that? And the answer is, yes, you can. Legally, you, can, you cross it off and you say, can you redo this bill? I don't, I don't want to pay the service charge. I don't, I don't want to be told how much to tip. So when you go into certain London restaurants, they add, it used to be 10%. No, now the, rip, sorry, the uh, customary fee is 12.5%. Jamie's Italian, run by Jamie Oliver. A discretionary 12.5% service charge is added to tables of six or more. They do the same at the Wolsey. They have a service charge, plus they have a table charge. So we were out the other day, and they charged £8, £2 per person, for sitting at a table. I'd have stood up if I'd have thought about it. Uh, The Fat Duck at Bray. The tasting menu is £180 per person, and the optional charge is 12.5%. You can have it taken off a bill. Legally, they have no right to charge you 12.5%. It's as simple as that. You just have it taken off the bill. I remember having an argument with somebody in a restaurant in Twickenham, where I sort of, I just crossed it off, and I, I did the bill again myself, and I left the right money. And she said, excuse me, you haven't paid that 12 and a half. I said, I don't need to pay it. There wasn't any service. The service was non-existent. And you don't have to pay it. It's just their way of ripping you off for more money. Pizza Express, no service charge. All tips discretionary. That's the way it should be. They even do it in Joe Allen's. In Joe Allen's, where I've had an account for donkey's years, I always say, don't, don't put the service charge on the bill. I'll leave my own tip. It should be up to me to decide. If I've liked the, the, the service and I get good service, I tip well. I don't want to be told how much to tip somebody. And that's why we all get into a, into a tizzy over the whole thing. Anthony Light-Fingered Worrell Thompson says, apparently... It's about time that the government made laws on the subject of tipping. We're one of the few countries where you don't know where you stand. In France, you know all prices are inclusive of service charge. In America, you know you should double the sales tax as your your tip. In Australia, they don't expect to tip at all. By contrast, we're all over the place here. Well, you certainly are, aren't you? We've seen your life, matey. He says, I get very annoyed with people. He said, because there are some people, some restaurants, even add a service charge and also leave a space for a tip on the credit card bill. Yes, I know a well-known nightclub that does that, ladies and gentlemen, and they've been doing it for donkey's years, and so people add more money. So before you know where you are, you've added 40 quid to a bill. It's absolutely scandalous. Name and shame, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Giles Corran... God, he's so irritating. So irritating. He says, things have changed a bit since including service on the bill became common practice. In theory, if you really, really give a damn, you should inquire whether the included service charges are pulled into what they call a tronce and then divided between waiting and kitchen staff to be paid on top of the salary. Yes, I mean, that's why, you see, I prefer to tip myself. I don't want the money going into some pool, I'm afraid. You know, if I go to, for example, Joe Allen's, 
I like to get the maitre d' a candle or something like that. Sometimes I give them some money. It depends how I'm feeling. Sometimes a candle, sometimes money. You know, and I prefer to give the staff money because I know that they can then put it in their own pocket. They don't have to put it, you know, into a, into a pot. So, in other words, it doesn't encourage somebody to be a, a good waiter or a good waitress because they're thinking, wait a minute, somebody over there is really good, they're really fast... And I don't need to worry, because I'm still going to get the money at the end of the day. So I prefer to give privately to people. Uh, over at Belgo, an optional service charge of 12.5% is added to the bill. Strada, uh, the company has been charging, changing its policy on the service charge. And as of the 23rd of July, this is at Strada, none of the restaurants will be automatically add one to the bill, except when it's for a party of eight or more. Uh, Café Rouge... A charge is not usually added. However, all add 10% for tables of eight or more. I don't understand why they do that. Why would they add 10% to a table of eight or more? Surely the more people coming in there, the more money they make. Is it more stressful to serve eight people? Oh, well, I've got to do another order. What? Garlic. Is that garlic bread with cheese? Oh, I don't know. Garlic, um, olives. Anybody want any olives? Olives. O-L. Oh, it's so stressful being a waitress. It really is nowadays. Yo, sushi. There's no service charge because you serve yourself. You serve yourself because you sit there and you take the meals off. So that's why there isn't a service charge. Round, round the corner here, at all the little cafes, they add a service charge. It's on the till. And sometimes the girls fill it in themselves. And I get really angry. I get really angry because we're treated like tourists. Tourists must feel they're ripped off every step of the way around London. I, I would rather it was the same as Australia, where, they, where we didn't have to pay a service charge. You know, you, you don't go to McDonald's, do you? Order your meal and then go, uh, and, and there's 20 pence for yourself. You don't do that. You don't go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and go, the bargain barrel, and uh, we'll have the Vionetta and the two litres of Coke with that, and there's a pound for yourself. You don't do that. You don't go to your local kebab shop, large donner and chips, uh, hold on the salad, just have a little bit of of sauce on it, Okay. You don't then go, and there's 50p for yourself. So why should you have to tip in a restaurant? They don't do anything. I could understand if they stood there and they rattled off the entire menu. But in, in the case of the corner, you're having a breakfast, you know, the, it arrives up from the kitchen and she walks it from here to here. And this warrants giving somebody pounds and pounds. I mean, based on this, she's earning more money than I am. It's bad enough as it is having to go out there. And don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not mean when it comes tipping. I'm always the first one to get out there and, and be, be very generous. Anybody will tell you. I'm the first person to put their hand in their pocket to pay a bill. Anybody will tell you that round here. I'm very good at that kind of thing. Very good at it. Only because I can't bear other people paying. It drives me mad. I, don't, I get really funny feelings. If somebody else tries to... If I'm going out for dinner with somebody and they go, no, it's our turn today, I'll stand there and argue. I remember once I was in a restaurant and I, I knew I was determined that I was going to pay. Determined. And uh, we're all sitting there. And there was about, I don't know, four or five of us, whatever it was. And uh, somebody got up to go to the toilet. And they, they, they came back and I thought, right, I'm all ready for this one. So I said to the waiter, Bill. And she said, no, he's just paid it. I said, on his way to the toilet, he paid the blasted bill. I was furious. <laughs> it completely ruined my evening. I don't know why. It's funny. Some people are funny about things like that. And I'm one of them, I'm afraid. I am one of those. Oh, God, a picture of who is it? Oh, I thought it was panto time. No, it's John Burko, ladies and gentlemen, in the paper today, pictured with the, the desperate housewife herself, Sally Burko, and uh, they're actually holding hands, which is quite sweet. Luckily, we've not seen Mrs Burko on the television for quite some time now, which, as far as I'm concerned, is extremely good news. This little attention-seeking person, it wasn't much cop on um, the reality show, Celebrity Big Brother, she was the first one to be kicked out. 
Maybe because you didn't like her either, so that was fairly good news. And then she pitched up, then she had a column in the paper, and then they dropped her because it was just rubbish. But the good news is that uh, she did kick over a fee of £100,000 to the charity Ambitious About Autism, and so that's very good indeed. Now, whether or not that's all of her money so far, or whether... Because she's done quite a few other programmes where she's hung around with with that Paddy What's-It bloke from... My big fat gypsy wedding, whose son is in prison for murder, incidentally. It's, it's so lovely. It really is. But anyway, he, he doesn't talk to his, uh, his son at all. So here's Sally Burko out on the town with no bag and no coat over her shoulder. I don't know what she was thinking of yesterday. He's actually wearing a suit. We like John because he started his, uh, his professional broadcasting career on LBC 97.3. It was a, a regular on my programme. We used to do round tables with the MPs. It generally turned into a bit of a bun fight, I'm afraid, with people shouting and screaming and... Oh, dreadful. It was just, I used to go home with a headache afterwards, but it was very entertaining at the same time. You suddenly realise, actually, that they're all the same. They're all the same. Cut them and they bleed. Tell them off and they burst into tears. Uh, right, news just coming in. On the A12 in Hackney, that's going south through the Eastway Tunnel. Lane 2 is blocked. That's on the tight bend. You know the tight bend there? That's just after an accident. We can see on the drivers, some drivers are having to brake quite sharply. So you'll need to cross the solid white line to avoid hitting the stranded vehicle. But watch out for all the other drivers in lane one. This is on the A12 in Hackney, going south through the Eastway Tunnel. OK? I'm just hoping that everybody else is listening to LBC 97.3 down there. Lane two's blocked. It's a tight bend. You won't see it. If you start going through too fast, you won't see it. There'll be another accident down there if you're not careful. And some, we're watching it on the cameras now. And I can see that some drivers having to brake very sharply because you need to cross over the white line to go past the vehicle that's broken up. There was one here the other morning. I came out the building and just opposite the Garrick Theatre, just by the traffic lights, a lorry had broken down at the traffic lights. And because it was a big lorry, you couldn't go round it, so they had to cross into this lane. So all the double-decker buses, which included my favourite 176, had to go round this lorry. And the drivers just said, why do people who break down just sit there staring into the distance? Are they looking for divine intervention? I don't know. More from the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre at a quarter to six in about three minutes' time. We've only got to wait a, a few minutes and we'll bring you up to date on that. You can use the Olympic lanes, OK? Only on the M4 can you not use it. You can use it coming into town. You do not have to sit there in single file like sheep coming in on the Westway. I only say that because yesterday, and you'll have seen all the pictures in the papers, lots of people frightened to go in it. Go in it! Doesn't come in until the 25th, all right? And as today is only the 17th, 17th, 17th. All those self-employed people getting ready to write out your tax checks. Not that you can write out a tax check now, you have to transfer it. It's got to be done by these electronic uh, transfers, which is lovely. And uh, daffodils can treat depression. Did you know that? Apparently a lot of people, it must, it must come under the Michael Van Stratton alternative medicine category. Because apparently daffodils are very good for their healing uh, powers. And they're saying a lot of other plants are as well. Evening primrose oil, of course, you've all heard of. Sunflowers. I love sunflowers. I absolutely love sunflowers. But apparently, they're not only easy and fun to grow, but bursting with health benefits. Sunflower seeds, of course, you can eat. Very nutritious. It's a little bit uh, caftan and sandals, as far as I'm concerned. Sunflower oil is low in saturated fat, and it could be the answer to eczema, and dermatitis and itchy skin. And how many people do not suffer from dermatitis? It's except I keep discovering new areas of dry skin. I noticed the other day, I was explaining to somebody who laughed. I was quite horrified. I've got a bit of dry skin uh, just by my thumb, and I'd never noticed it till the other day. I thought maybe I'd sort of rubbed up against something. 
Other dry skin, I suppose. And the more you look at your hands... You spend ages looking at your hands, don't you? Going, is that dry... Do you think that's dry skin? And why is it there? Where have I picked that up from? So sunflower oil, very, very good for things like that. Honeysuckle, sometimes known as woodbine, is very good, apparently, for eliminating toxins for the body. And you can get tea bags from Holland and Barrett. How much... Oh, blimey. 30 tea bags, honeysuckle, £40. Blimey, that's a, that's a lot, isn't it? Not sure I should be going for that one at all. Gypsophilia is very good. That's baby's breath. They use that in lots of bouquets. It's what's commonly known in the in the florist trade as a bulker. It's sort of it's a spindly plant with lots of little white bits stuck on it. And of course they say, Do you want a bit of jip in that? You go, well, I'll have some some jip. And so for years I used to sort of say to them, Oh, well, I'll have some gypsophilia. And so they'd stick in a bunch of it. And they'd, oh, it doesn't look so good after all, does it really? Elderflower's very good. Marigold's very good. And, and lavender, of course, very good for sleeping, putting in pillows. You can get all sorts of things made out of lavender. It's almost an industry of lavender items where you can get stuff to spray on your pillow. You can just get anything, and it's very, very good for you, very calming. But uh, if you want to treat depression, daffodils. Who knew, who knew about this? Well, the alternative medicine scene in this country and, uh, and all, the, all the Chinese apocatharies. They used to make it as well, all, all sorts of... You know, flowers that have been dried out and stuff like that. It's really good, actually. Really, really good. Uh, very quickly here. Uh, let's just check on uh, this one here. Have you been watching... Oh, so have been watching, says Barbara, the laser light show at the Olympic Park for the past couple of days. I was in Enfield. Looks quite impressive. Oh, it's Ray, actually. Ray. So the laser light show. Now, is that for the opening ceremony or the closing? I can't wait for it. We can have fireworks at the end one, and I love a good firework. You can't beat a good sparkler, can you? I have to take quite a few, I should imagine. Quarter six. News headlines this morning with Eleanor Noakes. With Steve Allen. There you go. Ten to six, Tuesday morning, in London town. And it's going to be a nice day. Actually, even as I look out the window, for those people who work overnight, and you start off and it's pitch dark, and then it gets sort of lighter and lighter and lighter, today... It's actually going to be a really lovely day, so enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh, Mark says, you had me laughing out loud last night, re-Russell Brown singing I'm the Walrus. I know, I explained at the end of the Olympics, because we saw the rundown of what was happening and the who were there, and then for some reason, for some inexplicable reason, at the end of the Olympic ceremony, they're going to have Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders and Russell Brown singing Pretty Vacant, which was the hit for the Sex Pistols, and then he's going to do I Am the Walrus. And I told a friend of mine, and he said, this is for the Olympics. And I said, yes. I said, it's at the end of the Olympics. And he said, singing I Am the Walrus. I said, I know. I don't know why they've picked that particular song. It should be, I mean, it's it's either going to work brilliantly or it's going to fall flat on its its bottom, I'm afraid. But I shall still watch. I shall still, because I do love a good opening and closing ceremony. I'm still praying that we're going to do very well. I know some people are quite negative about the Olympics, but it's about the only thing I've actually been positive about for ages and ages. I wouldn't normally watch things like that. I wouldn't normally be remotely interested in anything that involved athletics or sport or that kind of stuff. But I watched the last Olympics. I like the ceremonies. And I like the crowds, and I like the fervour, and, and I'm, I mean, I'd be really disappointed if I was based in sort of, you know, Birmingham or somewhere god-awful like that, you know, as opposed to being in London and actually being at the cutting edge of it. I know there's events taking place around the country, but I mean, as far as I'm concerned, London is it. You know, London is the capital. I've only got to look out the, out of the window and look at the buildings, and then look at all the things around it. I, keep, I have to keep pinching myself, because I go, it's London. 
I mean, it is exciting. Admittedly, Leicester Square's a bit of a dog's dinner at the moment. You know, they put this... The rubbish that people leave. People have an inability to not put things in a rubbish bin. I get really angry about stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not brave enough to go up to somebody and go, you know, would you like to put that in a bin? Because I'm not that kind of person. But having heard Nick Ferrari the other day talking about, um, you know, taking off the service charge, then I, I, was, I was inspired because I've done that for years. And uh, to actually, you know, tell people, you can do it as well. You give the money to the, to the person who served you, if you think they're worth it. If you think there wasn't any service, don't pay it. They're under no obligation whatsoever. Let them, they'll threaten you with all sorts of things. They, let them call the police. But they're under no obligation to do anything at all by paying service charges. Johnny says, I love sports, Steve, but I dislike the over-importance of the Olympics and what the IOC and uh, Lowcock stand for in terms of greedy corporate stampeding, bowing down to a pound note. Cool, I've not had a pound note for ages, matey. At all costs, and make sure that the city hosting has to fall into line. TfL, GLA, highways agencies panicked into the games lanes, and it's become two fingers up to many Londoners. They should have opened up all the old closed roads and had the so-called VIPs in black cabs, which is supposed to be iconic and have real knowledge. In fact, you could have branded, couldn't you? You could have branded, could have branded LBC VIP cab. I see no reason that why that wouldn't work. What a brilliant idea! You see, we've had these ideas over the days, and they've not thought about it. Whereas, you know, if, you, if you'd stuck to the lanes as we had before, the cab lanes and everything else, why not just colour-code roads, says Johnny? Make it easier. Saves all the confusion. You know, if it's, if it's that colour, you can't go in it. If it's red, make it red. Everything else you can go in. If it's red, you can't go in it. Although there are parts of it where there isn't any road for us motorists at all. There's nothing. There's either the bus lane or the Olympic lane. I think that happens on a, on a few areas. I can't remember exactly. Well, I know one of them's in Knightsbridge, where it just disappears. And you think to yourself, what am I, I'm supposed to get out the car and lift it up and walk down the road to my next bit. Because I can't see you're going to manage it any other way. So that's, that's, that's the only thing that is confusing people. But I, I like the idea that we've got the Olympics. I just knew it was going to be a turkey with, with unions going, we want £500, we want £800, we want this, we want that. All the soldiers who are coming in at short notice to cover, they're not getting any extra. All the people working, all the booths there, there's a, they're not getting any extra. But apparently if you're a bus driver, you get extra. If you're a train... I wonder if the Warburton's uh, lot are being paid extra money. Are you being paid extra money for that? I bet not. I bet not. I'm not being paid extra money. I did ask. I was met with a polite refusal. <laughs> so I, I assumed that wasn't going in my, uh, in my particular direction. There'd be no extra money falling into my bank account. Nick Ferrari this morning at 7. Paper review is Yasmin Khan, the writer and pro- Did she just pop up on television pro? Every time I flip on television programmes, there was Yasmin Khan on a programme, I think yesterday. Was it? No, it was somebody else, actually. Yasmin Khan pops up as well. Nick was on this morning. People just... There's a huge circuit of all these different people. But they're going to talk about uh, UKBA, who've cut too many staff too quickly. Now, they're having to hire extra people and increase overtime to meet the demands. The Voice has been denied accreditation to the Olympic Stadium. I mean... I, this one I can't get my head around at all. The managing editor, uh, George Ruddock, says it's a slap in the face. He says, we're very disappointed that the voice which has covered the glorious achievements of the British, African and Caribbean athletes for so many years will not be inside the Olympic Stadium. We've been put on the waiting list, but time's running out, so we're trying to put on pressure. I'd love to know what, why they've not been given accreditation. I mean, out of all the, out of all the papers. Very strange. Uh, Bernard Hogan Howe, the Met Commissioner, will take your calls this morning. This will be interesting. Uh, and uh, also they're going to be looking at uh, police numbers, emergency radio systems and everything else. And it's now only ten days to the Olympics. Ten days. It's going to go by 
like that, really, really fast. Minister for Sport and Olympics and Conservative MP for Faversham and Mid-Kent, Hugh Robertson, will be with Nick this morning. That's Nick Ferrari with you just after the news at 7 o'clock. More of your uh, texts and emails coming in. Uh, Noreen says, have you seen Thelma's Gypsy Girls? No, but I read all about it. These are the girls who fight among themselves. They're foul-mouthed, they're vile, uh, and they, they have no education. They can't read or write. In fact, they serve no useful purpose at all. And uh, on Facebook last night, she said, Susan Bookbinders told us she's Elkie Brooks's cousin. And brief. The more I know about Susan Bookbinder every day, the more fascinated I become. And her cousin was drummer for the Dakotas, as in Billy J. Kramer and the... But uh, Billy Jay isn't doing the UK gigs he was going to do. She said, I was dying to see him again. And the driver getting lost, taking the athletes to the Olympic Village. You couldn't make it up, could you? I know. It's not that difficult, is it? Not that difficult. The Murray Curie nurses have got an afternoon at St Mary's Parish Hall in Langham Road, Teddington. They've got a blooming great tea party with homemade cakes. Oh, how lovely. Homemade cakes. Perhaps by that time I might be better enough to have some homemade cakes. But uh, good luck to them all. That's, I think, 2 to 5pm. They've got a pianist. And that's... It must be this afternoon, actually. This afternoon. You've got to try and raise some money. Much-needed money. So, uh, good luck, ladies. And I'm sure a few uh, gentlemen. Uh, John Lord, who founded Deep Purple, has died. You've seen that in the paper and probably heard it on the news as well. He died in London uh, today. A statement on the website, which I liked, said he'd passed from darkness to light. Isn't that lovely? Somebody said that at, at, at a funeral I went to. And, uh, and, they, and, they, and they were trying to describe, you know, because when you go to funerals, you're not feeling in the best frame of mind. You're not, you're not exactly going, whoopee-doo, all very happy about things. And the, uh, the priest described it as looking from a picture from the front, but going, sorry, from the back, and then going through into the front where you can see the picture much more clearly. A12 in Hackney, problems at the moment. If you're heading out in that direction, that's going through the Eastway Tunnel. Lane 2 is blocked on the tight bend. Be very careful with your speed. There'll be uh, people out there who aren't educated and who won't be listening to LBC 97.3, but uh, they should be. And so uh, all the ones who are listening to this radio station, you're fine, because you'll know to slow down so that you can go round the car. You need to cross over the white line to get round it, but it's just on that tight bend. We'll have more from the uh, LBC Travel Centre very, very shortly. Some of the other stories in the papers, this is a terrible story about the, the dad who killed his three children. He stabbed them to death and then killed himself, which is awful. Uh, there's also there's various stories on sleepwalking in the papers today, and I, I have done sleepwalking in my time. Uh, also, the BBC bosses insisting stars take pay cuts. Top Gear's Jeremy Clarkson, an estimated three and a half million pounds a year, which is uh, which is quite something. His huge income embarrassingly emerges on the day the bosses, who were forced to apologise for his remarks, were reassuring the public they were cutting the salaries of the highest-paid stars and would continue to do so. Well done to his agent. If you managed to get that much money out of them, fantastic. Everybody else is looking at... I think previously he'd drawn a fee of 350000 He owns 30% of, uh, of a company. And uh, so when they do DVD sales and they do live shows, he gets a percentage of that as well. And uh, making his share of profits worth 2.7 million, up from 1.8 the year before. So, in other words, anything that involves him on Top Gear, he gets a percentage of. So, it's very, very lucrative. Very lucrative. Police are now at the scene on the approach to give you an early warning. You've got to change the lane. That's on the A12, okay. On the cameras, it looks like the traffic was stopped for a couple of minutes, which is added to the delay. So, just take it easy out there, okay? Take it easy, and we'll all get there in one piece, and we'll all be very happy. 
because it's only Tuesday and it's going to be such a nice day. If it was raining, I could understand you being in a bad mood, but nothing is going to spoil my good mood today because we're going to ha- actually have, for the first time in ages, a bit of sunshine. News is next. With Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday morning. It's six minutes past six. Ten days for the Olympic. Ten. Are we ready? Are we ready? We've got everything in place. Still things to do in the Olympic Park. We still can't sort out the amount of security. We're now drafting in police officers. Next thing, they're just inviting anybody to come in there and sort of help out, I suppose, because we have to try and process. But you can imagine the queues are going to build up. People trying to get in. If they can't process people quickly, and they're going to have to process really fast. This isn't, you know, you will get people who turn up late for events because they couldn't park the car, the train was late, it was delayed. You're going to have to anticipate that there's going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. We still haven't got in our heads what bus lanes we can use, what Olympic lanes we can use. The answer is, I'll tell you now, you can use all of them except the one coming in on the M4. That's the only one, and I think the might or might not be one around Egham, but you can use the rest of them. They're all fine until the 25th. From the 25th until about the 14th, I think, of August, you cannot use them. But use them at the moment. Don't sit there like a lemon sitting behind everybody else. I mean, I almost feel like taking the car out this one. In fact, actually, I have to come back into... I've just realised I have to come back into town later on today. I'm going to use that, that Olympic lane. I'm going to sail down it with the roof open, waving, with a big flag out there, yeah, doing the whole bit. Oh, I so want us to win medals. Although a number of people have written saying, is it really that important to win win medals? Yes, it is. It is. It is absolutely very important that we win. That's the whole idea. What's the point of us not not even bothering? No, we we have to make the effort. And I think we will. I think it will be uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, You mentioned, says uh, Philip Michael Van Stratton, where is he now? I think he's in France. He just brought a book out a short while ago. He's got a brand new uh, book out. Oh, yes, he's, uh, he's in rude health, as they say. Eddie says, do you think they'll do the complete fade-out ending of I Am The Walrus, including the umpa umpa stick it up your jumper? I don't know. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't even know why they picked that song. It's a very strange choice, isn't it, for the... Uh, for the... Well, you know that because I, I said before, you can, I can always spot at Waterloo Station all, all the Polish workers going onto the building sites because everybody has got camouflage clothing on. It seems to be, you know, the thing to have. I suppose, I don't know, if, I don't know why camouflage clothing... But you can also, and they've always got their own workmates, they've got drills, they've all got, all got their own stuff. I don't ever remember seeing that years ago. Perhaps they asked people now, bring your own stuff, which is, which is much better. On the subject of lollipop ladies, why can't the teachers take turns in seeing young pupils safely across the road at school dismissal time? Well, in my day, teachers did. Teachers did stand outside, but that was just to check whether you were going to be late in, I'm afraid. In the 1970s, infant school teachers at my son's primary school used to take turns babysitting until 4.15 to help out working mums. And keeping human ashes in urns at home, strange and brave, I would be forever wondering whether the ashes are my loved ones only are not part of a big heap. No, no, no. Believe you me, it's they are... They are your loved one's ashes. They do clean out after everything. It was the, it was the myth that they just stuck a shovel in there and shoved you in. Could it be anybody, couldn't it? It's just grey ash. It doesn't matter what it is. But uh, as long as the person who's received the urn believes that's their loved one, it's their loved one. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And that's why, because I mentioned earlier on, that Tom Daly keeps the ashes of his father in his bedroom and he says hello to him every morning. And that, I think, is uh, nice. We just want a gold medal now, please. Just a gold medal. Uh, Steve, there's a cafe in Leicester Square. Charge 50 pence for ketchup on the bill. It's outrageous, isn't it? Absolutely outrageous. And uh, 
John the cabbie says, am I allowed to use the Olympic lane? Go wherever you want, mate. You're a cabbie. You can go wherever you want. Uh, so, in fact, I'm going to use the Olympic lane today. I'm coming back into town later on. What time am I coming back in? I can't remember. I'm coming back in because I'm going to go and collect something for the Magic Circle. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to use the Olympic lane and do the woohoos. Uh, Johnny says, I am not part of this dysfunctional Olympic family that needs us Londoners as social workers to say stop with the make-believe slogan. Oh, no, come on. You've got to be positive. I do like it. I do, I do like it. And uh, you must have used some water. with it. No, I didn't use any water at all. No water whatsoever. I steamed in my saucepan with my steak and sprouts. No water. Why would you put water in with steak? No, 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 no. A little bit of butter. Uh, Steve, I don't want to be controversial, but does it matter if we win anything? Yes. Uh, Steve Russell Brand is all about Brand Russell, so he'll definitely do something controversial to grab the headlines. Uh, well, that, that would be the big mistake. Uh, one here, re-tipping. I'm like you, Steve. I always tip. If good service. Joe Allen's nice restaurant. I used to go to Rowley in German Street or any Wheeler's restaurants. I love fish and seafood. Used to work in Vine Street off Piccadilly. A few nice restaurants down there. Also like Cafe Rouge. And um, quite good. Got mild depression too. When my eyes are tired, use Eyebright with a couple of, uh, couple of pads. For depression now, they're saying daffodils. I don't know what you're supposed to do with them. I really don't know. Homemade cakes at the Blooming Great Tea Party, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is for the Marie Curie Cancer Nurses this afternoon, Tuesday, St Mary's Parish Hall, Langham Road in Tennington. They've got special sugar-free cakes for diabetics and wheat-free cakes, plus our latest ginger beer cake. It's also a live pianist. So there you go. We hope they raise uh, lots of money down there, which is uh, good. Uh, Mark in East Dulwich, who says, nice picture on the LBC site. You remind me of a fresh-faced Eric Morecambe. Are you mad or something? Drinking this morning. <laughs> uh, you should say excuse me when you see people dropping rubbish and give it back to them, says Anne-Marie, driving to Sheffield to watch Stephanie Conn graduate. Woohoo! Uh, Stephen Harlington says they picked I'm a walrus because it is descriptive of brand. Oh, is it? Oh, right. I'm, n- I'm none the wiser on it. I, d- I don't know what that means, I'm afraid. Do you know that most people don't have front gardens now? Did you realise? You know what? Most people pave them over because they put the cars on there. So most people's front gardens, there is enough room to probably get two cars there. And as local councils say, we've lost so many front gardens. It's very rare you find a road where all the front gardens are intact. But I'm sure that you must know uh, some areas, ladies and gentlemen. But most people turn them over so they can get two cars up there. Bit disappointing, isn't it? Car ownership, as the councils say, keeps on rising and they've got to go somewhere. And if you can't actually get them on the street... Because I've seen some streets which seem to be permanently busy... You can't. You, you just couldn't get any more traffic on there if you tried. So you do look very, very carefully, and you think, "Oh, do we, do, do we use the front garden? No. Do we sit out there? No. Pave it over because mostly you've only got one little flower bed in the middle. You just pave the blooming thing over, and then you uh, you can park the cars up there, which is much better." Uh, footy star Kyle, second speed rap. This is uh, Kyle Norton. Yesterday fined £667 for driving his Land Rover 11 miles over the speed limit. Might not seem a lot to you, but believe you me, for your second one, he's already serving a nine-month ban for speeding and using a mobile phone at the wheel. He was pulled over by police earlier this year. He didn't attend court, couldn't really be bothered, I suppose, uh, but pleaded guilty to speeding in Epping, given four penalty points and ordered to pay £95 in legal costs. They don't learn, do they, footballers? They have a, a blatant disregard for the law. You know, you're told to do something, but you, you have to just get on and do it. 
You know, and if you're told by somebody in authority, don't do this, you don't do that. I don't understand why they would ever want to do it. Well done to um, to two ladies, Celia Sims and Joan Dungay, this morning. I think that's how you pronounce her name, because uh, they're both Scrabble champions, and they've kept their tally since 1965, and they've accrued one million points in 47 years, and that's a record. LBC. Strangely, they were doing something on the television the other day, and I wanted to do it on the programme yesterday, and I completely forgot about it. And it was the fact that if kids sit in front of the television, they put on weight just watching the television. And I think Nick Ferrari did it, and he couldn't work out, does that mean kids who were eating in front of the television or people who were just sitting in front of the television? Because just sitting there, you're not going to put weight on, are you? I didn't think so. And most people, we do spend hours and hours and hours in front of the television. We don't get the amount of exercise that we should do now. We're, we're actually a bit lazy. Although Peter Andre said he actually does a 45-minute workout every day. You know, I mean, I do, I mean I'm roughly the same. You know, I, like, I think about it. I certainly think about doing a workout. And then I think... I think you've got to be in the right frame of mind for doing it. Today could be the right day because it's so beautiful. And we could have some uh, some hot weather. I might undo an extra button, perhaps put a pair of shorts on, something like that. You know, upset the children and uh, and chickens and, and pigeons and stuff like that. But it's about the first decent day that we'll have had in ages and ages. I mean, yesterday the heavens opened, I'm afraid, and it wasn't, uh, wasn't particularly good. So, in other words, if you spend time indoors in front of the television, you're going to put weight on. I would have thought only if you're going to be eating. If you're eating, then it's going to happen. And if you're eating all the fast food, this is why we have obese children now. It's because fast food. It's because nobody cooks. It's because we decide to go out. It's easier to pick up the phone and get a pizza in. And during the Olympics, we're going to be sitting there, aren't we? In front, We're not going to want to move in front of the television, just in case we win something. So we're definitely going to want to sit there. We're going to be sitting there glued to the television. We're going, we'll have pizza, just order pizza. Just get pizza around or take away Chinese or take away anything. Just take away anything. Just bring the food in. Nobody wants to cook. We're all just going to sit there. And for a few days, we're going to immerse ourselves in the fact that we're going to be watching some top-class athletes. And fingers crossed, we're actually going to win something. That's going to be the colour of gold, I think. That's what I'd very much like to see. I like uh, Harry Cook, who's in the papers today. He's a hero, and uh, he threatened people who were trying to nick his petunias. He's 67, and uh, he stood in front of their vehicle, armed with a garden trowel, and refused to budge. He was amazed when the thieves eventually agreed to unload their haul. He was working in his shed when a van pulled up. He believes they were attracted by a floral image of an athlete he planted in honour of Team GB. When he walked round to his front garden, which was won in three medals, he saw one man loading his petunias and conifers into the back of the van. Two other men were sitting in the grey Vauxhall Transit, which was ready to make a getaway with the engine running. I wonder what sort of people who drive a transit van would want to nick somebody's flowers and things like that. We've all got a rough idea, haven't we? And he said, and th- then what they would do is they just go and sell them to somebody else, because some people thieve nowadays. And in fact, there's more stories. So good for him, he actually foiled them, and um, he's 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 a he's a good lad. I hope he's reported them to the police. I hope they, they they've got the number. I wonder where they'll find that van, ladies and gentlemen, parked up in a lay-by somewhere. Do you think maybe attached to something? I mean, fancy going round to somebody's house and just literally loading somebody's flowers on there. You know, if it's not nailed down nowadays, people steal everything, don't they? They steal everything. My scooter got stolen years and years ago. And that was obviously sold on to a pizza delivery place. who was here to deliver a pizza. I mean, the, I mean, the embarrassment of being a pizza delivery scooter. I mean, how awful can that be? 
You know, because I don't like people who deliver pizzas. They whiz around, jump traffic lights, got little L plates on the back. Can't see their faces. They never carry money. They have to tell you that because they, they're generally getting robbed. Every time they're actually out there, somebody is actually robbing them. Awful. Uh, 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk. On the subject of, uh, of parking, uh, it's not surprising, says Mark, people pave over their front gardens when the local councils want to introduce parking permits outside your own house. Lewisham started this at £25 a year. It's now £100 per car per year. So that's why. So I suppose if you're parking on your own property, there's no charge, is there? So if you've actually got a big front garden, it's, it's in your best interest to pave it over. Um, one here. If it's important to win medals, says Sid at the Olympics, can you tell me why they've dropped our taekwondo champion, Aaron Hunt, the world's number one, and picked another person rated world's 59th? I don't know. I don't know anything about taekwondo, I'm afraid. I just know it's all this... That kind of thing, is it? Looks a bit like the hacker, and it's a little bit more, uh, more, more dangerous, I suppose. Um, I love the way, says Vic, that you say, ladies and gentlemen. He says, on the subject of Noel Edmonds, why don't you try and get tickets for the new recording of the show? No, I mean, to be honest with you, a friend of mine's working on it, so I'm, I'm getting all the information back from there. But I hope it does well. About time we had some decent television programme. There's not, not much to choose from, is there, really? Um... Sort out the uh, the streams, says Andreas. Yes, the stream's not going particularly well at the moment. I don't know why. I shall get the uh, the engineering people to sort it all out. Sally says the A2 traffic uh, is backed up to the Falconwood turn-off. It's moving, but slowly. Um, Francesca says, is your magic show suitable for an 11-year-old? Uh, yes, but we've already had it, so we haven't got another one planned at the moment. You must have seen the carry-ons, says Steve, in the hospital. So they show you what to do with the daffodil. Um, yes, I do remember that. I remember that very, very... I think his his line is, surely, Matron, you've seen somebody having their temperature taken. And she says, yes, Major, but never with a daffodil. Uh, if you cook your steak in butter and no water, it was fried and not steamed. No, 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 it's steamed because you put the Brussels sprouts in there and the water that is in Brussels sprouts acts as the steam. You don't need to add anything at all. It's brilliant. Uh, M4 Olympic Lane, you sure I can use it? Yeah, go on, risk it. Go on, risk it. Go on. If, if you're a taxi, you can use it. If you're a black taxi. Minicabs, you can't use it. As far as I know, it's only black taxis could use the Olympic Lane, which is, uh, which is on the M4. Nobody else can use it, OK? Nobody ever can use it. Uh, Steve. Uh, la, 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 la. Uh, a lot of people tell me why they picked I Am The Walrus. And I'm still none the wiser, actually, about it. Still none the wiser. Eel Pie Club, got something big going on in uh, Twickenham. At, uh, it's a rare appearance of the Blues Club Band with two members of Mark Knopfler's Dire Straits, Guy Fletcher on keyboard and Danny Cummings on drums, plus Peter Hope Evans from Medicine Head. Uh, other musicians of the band have played with Paul McCartney, Pete Townsend and John Mayer. And, of course, The Who are going to be closing the Olympics, all two of them. That should be quite... I wonder what they're going to do. My generation, I should imagine. It'll be something interesting. Blues Club is at the Eel Pie Club, The Patch, London Road, Twickenham. They've got a, a website, eelpieclub.com. Thank you, Warren. Love to Gina as well. So eelpieclub.com. All the details uh, on there. Finally, let's have a look at the, uh, at the papers this morning and see what everybody is saying. Uh, I did see Hillary Clinton on her recent visit to uh, Egypt. In fact, she makes the paper today because they were taking the mickey out of her. Over there, there's lots of that going on. Nick Ferrari this morning, uh, they'll be talking to the Shadow Immigration Minister, Chris Bryant. Yasmin Khan is looking at the papers. The Voice, 
who've been denied accreditation to the Olympic Stadium. They're on a waiting list. I don't, I'd love to see some of the other people on there because you might find that there are other people on that list and you think, why are they on there? And the voice isn't on there, representing all the black athletes and everybody else and all the, uh, the British, African and Caribbean athletes. They've done it for many years, but they're not going to be inside the Olympic Stadium. Uh, plus Bernard Hogan Howe, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, who's been in for uh, nearly a year now, nearly a year. He'll be taking your calls this morning to uh, Nick Ferrari on LBC 97.3. Uh, let's have a quick check. Front of the mirror this morning, Mel C, who's talking about uh, how she saved her brother from falling into a coma. Uh, plus the suicide dad killing his three children. He stabbed his children to death for, for reasons we have no idea at all, I'm afraid. And then threw himself off a cliff which is absolutely awful. It's a terrible story. That makes the front page of all the uh, the papers. Summer, they say, is going to start next week. This is from the Daily Express. I hope they're right. They say, just in time for the Olympics, which is what we were, we were guessing at before, and saying, I do hope, I do hope that we're actually going to end up with, uh, with some nice weather for the Olympics. Could be good today. Could be good today. Sunshine all the way through with maybe one or two showers, but nothing particularly to worry about. Holly Willoughby's got a new clothes range. Apparently now Holly Willoughby designs clothes. It's amazing. I don't know how these people find the time for it. I don't, of course, believe a word that she's ever designed anything in her entire life. I think somebody designs it and then they stick a name on it because uh, what, what they get is free publicity when she wears the outfits on the television. And very lovely she looks too. And uh, the sun this morning, oops, road chaos as the athletes arrive. Security shambles gets worse. And as for that blooming rain, they say, well, they used another word, the VIP bus carrying US stars took four hours to complete the journey from Heathrow Airport to the capital's Olympic village after the driver got lost. I mean, it's, you heard it yesterday on LBC. It was just hilarious. I mean, if it was, imagine sitting there for four hours. They must have been blowing fuses. How can drivers get lost? It's a straight route. It's even marked out for you. Unless the bloke is completely stupid. Uh, the Daily Mail, the BBC, helping dozens of their top stars avoid paying full income tax. This is uh, people who set up their own companies. It's quite normal. I keep pointing out it's quite normal. I don't know why anybody's getting upset over this one. Last night, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs said they would step up their investigations into personal service companies. Uh, the arrangements are standard, say the BBC, but yesterday agreed to review how it pays its big names. They've got 148 people that they pay into one of these companies. That's around 25,000 freelancers that they have working there. And I suppose if you are a freelance person and somebody's offering you this much money, well, then you're going to set up a company. And the, uh, the finance chief, Zarin Patel, admitted 148 of the broadcasters, 467 presenters, nearly a third, were paid what they call off the books. Off the, I've never heard that expression before, off the books, and there's more on that inside. Don't forget, you can drive. If you're coming into town on the Westway at the moment, you've got the Olympic Lane, which is on your right-hand side if you're coming in. You can use it. It is usable, OK? Dri I'm looking at loads of pictures in the papers. I'm looking at some silly people who are travelling on the M4, and they're using the, uh, the illegal lane. And now coming into town, you can use it. It only comes into force on the 25th. OK, I shall be using it a little bit later on this morning. We'll have a free podcast for you up later on, on LBC 97.3, where we should be going through the, uh, the celebrities and finding out exactly uh, who's doing what with whom. That'll be up, I say, in about half an hour. And then the actual other podcast will be up probably in, uh, in a couple of hours' time, plus the, uh, the blog and everything else, which you can find on lbc.co.uk. We're back with you tomorrow morning.
bright-eyed and bushy-tailed between 4 and 6.30. Enjoy the weather, because it's absolutely glorious out there, or it will be later on today. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Nick and the team with you after 7, coming up next on LBC 97.3. The Morning News with Susan Bookbinder. Every day, 